0: The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are my own or those of my guests, and in no way represent the views of the company or companies that I or we work for. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they are told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is I Identity. You're listening to Squawk Eye Day, an aviation podcast dedicated to the journey and the challenges surrounding the life and career of Aviator Tony, his co-hosts, and his guests. Together, we will explore the many pathways to an aviation profession, the realities of what a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, an airline pilot currently flying for a U.S. legacy airline, with close to 20 years on the flight line. This is episode 66 of Squawk Ident, recorded on the 21st of December, 2020, from the Aviator Sound Studios from somewhere in Southern California. On today's show, the Squawk Ident crew and I discuss COVID on the flight line, the Aviation Business Information Board on Facebook, and flight schedules during the holiday season. We also spend a moment With a new segment called From the Hangar, where we visit with our very own Captain Roger as he gives us a brief audio tour of the DeSalt Falcon 2000. And, as if that was not enough to cover in this episode, we also have some very special guests today. You may remember him from episode 46 of Squawk Ident, All in the Flying Family. Mr. Kyle Jansen stops by to introduce to the show a few of Legacy Airlines' cadet program pilots. They sit down with us and discuss the program, the challenges within, and how their development with the pilot training is going so far. Now that our pre-flight is complete, let's get ready to push off the gate. Start up those virtual podcast engines and get ready for takeoff. Squawk Ident episode 66 is officially underway. Also to help me get flight 66 of the Squawk Ident podcast underway today is an exceptional aviator and co-host. He is a professional CFI, double-I, and MEI flight instructor, a former freight dog, a former airline pilot, a King Air flight instructor, a Falcon 2000, commander, a captain, and a corporate operator as well. He was able to break away from his heavy flight schedule today in order to join us with his newly illuminated and vented chateau from somewhere in San Diego, California. Please help me in welcoming back to the show, Captain Roger. Captain, how you doing? I'm doing all right, Tony. How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing great. Recovering from swinging the hammer and uh, flying a pretty heavy schedule myself. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: doing pretty well. I liked your little plug that you uh, you put in there for yourself uh, regarding my, my newly illuminated chateau, using your words. Heck yeah, man. Using oh. your expertise. You know, I,
0: I got to say thank you because I actually had a lot of fun. I, I enjoy doing that kind of DIY stuff. And uh, to have you call and, and ask me to come down and help you swing a hammer and install some of those, uh, you know ceiling fans and electrical outlets and things of that nature. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed spending time with you, so thank you.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for coming down. It's, uh, it was definitely helpful and beneficial, and um,
0: I got some more work for you, so we're going to plan on on having you come down again sometime soon. Bud. Yeah, we'll have to work that out and pretty quick because now that this uh, CARES Act is being voted on today, it, it looks like it's going to pass. It looks like we're all going to get back to work. Sure. And the good news is, potentially, this means that over 30,000 furloughed airline employees will be coming back to work pretty quick. Now, as we were talking about before the show started, uh, what does that mean? Does that mean that they come back effective immediately, or will we have to wait until February 1st during the next contract bidding cycle? Because we've already bid for the January schedule, and those are out. And it's, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, these are combined airlines all together in the U.S., 30,000 pi- uh, pilots, flight attendants, workers, mechanics, all that. Where are you going to put them? What, what, what are their schedules going to be? So it might be until February 1st before we see that um, happening. So, Which is beneficial for
1: me because that gives me all of January to uh, hopefully peel you away from your not quite so busy flight schedule. So I've got one more one more month to get this work done we have one more one month to get this work done
0: okay well we're gonna have to work this out <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 I, and I look forward to it as well well also joining us today is another superb aviator and co-host he is a former international and professional racquetball champion a member of the 9g club an AMP and avionics tech an RC aircraft commander a boat skipper a commercial drone operator and currently, a 737 pilot for legacy airline the name we use here on the show as an alias to our employer a u.s mainline carrier from his fortress of isolation where he and his family are quarantining themselves because well you guessed it it's the rona rob has graciously agreed to share his experiences with the virus with us and from somewhere in flower mound texas please help me in welcoming back to the show Mr. Rob D. Rob, how are you feeling?
2: I'm doing pretty good, man. Um, At some point during my COVID tests, when they're shoving this long cotton swab up my nose to touch my brain, I thought about you guys and I knew you'd be asking me this question. So (laughs) here we are. And uh, (laughs) oh, man, I got, have y'all had that test yet before? I have not. Not I have not. Um, Oh my God. You figure out that you have hairs so far up your nose. You didn't even know about. (laughs) Holy mackerel. They tickle so bad, but um, I'm actually doing pretty good considering. um, I got tested on Friday um, when um, I realized that I was coming down with, you know, something Um, to be honest with you, the the symptoms really snuck up on me. Um, They were so mild and so subtle Um, that I didn't even, um, I didn't think they were gonna be COVID um, because I usually suffer from seasonal allergies and um, I was on allergy shots for a couple of years and um, Mm. I I haven't had to take an allergy shot in about three years. And I do remember the doctor at that time saying, you you might need to go back on them after a few years. Um, But anyway, long story short, um, symptoms crept up on me. I started feeling ill on, well, I started feeling the symptoms on Tuesday. That was the earliest, um, when that's the one I recognized the first symptom and it was fatigue. But when I, when I realized I was tired, it was like eight or nine o'clock at night already. So, I mean, I'd already been through a full day. Um, and, uh, so I didn't really, Put you know two and two together on the fatigue part. Yeah. Um, went home, went to bed, slept like a baby. Woke up the next day, fatigued, and just a low, low grade headache. Nothing, like nothing that I would even take aspirin for. Oh. Just something that was just, you know, just kind of like in the back of your mind, so to speak. That kind of a headache. Sure, didn't stop me. I, I, it was Wednesday. I went out and worked out and played some disc golf and. It was a beautiful day out here. Just had a good time. And again, went to my kids' volleyball practice, just kind of fatigued and low-grade headache. That's all I had. Uh, Thursday came around, same thing. Woke up, low-grade headache, fatigued. Um, had a busy schedule that day, actually helped a buddy um, do some um, work on his, uh, on his truck that day quick work went out to my daughter's volleyball practice that evening on the way back is about 10 o'clock at night I started to feel chills and body aches and that's when I knew something was you know was wrong yeah and so uh Friday morning when I woke up made an appointment went to my doctor he looked at me he he did the uh you know got all dressed up in the chemical warfare suit came in <laughs> and, you know, rightfully so, and uh, came in and, and, uh, you know, he looked in my ears, nose and mouth, cause he knew I have allergies. And he's like, yeah, you're all swollen. You're all red mucusy. He's like, you know, that's, that's definitely a sign of a cold. Um, could it be more possibly, but you know, you're not really exhibiting all the symptoms of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't really warrant me to, to, order you to go get tested. However, you can always get tested if you want. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'm going to go get tested. (laughs) Yeah. So we went right from there to a a rapid test clinic and 20 minutes later, you're positive.
0: (laughs) So that was Friday. So spent that's tough, the, and you had uh, three days of kind of not feeling well, feeling fatigue, and you know what fatigue is because as an airline pilot and a yeah. pilot in general, you know about fatigue and and working different yeah. clocks and. But
2: the crazy thing was with the fatigue. What you know, when I say fatigue, it, it's it's nothing overwhelming, you know. And I guess fatigue is kind of that. I mean, you're tired, but you're not. I mean, at least for me, I was tired, but I wasn't like oh, you know, I need to go to bed or I need to sit down. It was more of a, uh, let me put, let me give you an example. If you were standing in, in your, you know, in your house and you saw a couch, load of laundry, dishes to be put away, you know, all kinds of chores. I was like, I'll come back to the couch after I get these things done. And I'd go and get them done. And after I'm done, I'd discover other things I needed to do. I'd never hit the couch, but as soon as I sat down, I would be like, Oh, you know, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you know, I would cook clean, you know, laundry, dishes, everything. Um, So that's how it was. Uh, Friday was the worst day though. Friday when I got tested um, was the the worst day of the whole thing where, and and my biggest complaint out of the whole thing was the body aches. That's probably the, uh, the worst thing. And then those weren't even that bad. But um I I had my wife kind of just slightly rub the, my back uh with her hand at one point mm-hmm. and it felt like uh if it felt like she was using um one of those dog brushes with the really pointy things going <laughs> up and down my skin. Yeah. I was just like Real oh sensitive. my god, yeah. Really sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, Saturday was spent all day laying in bed. Um I actually felt much better, no more body aches, no more chills, mm-hmm. um, drinking a lot of fluids, a lot of vitamin C and, um, got some pretty good sunlight in the house here. So I've been just sitting by the window and soaking up the sun, um, watched a lot of TV and took a lot of cat naps yesterday. And I woke up today, or actually well, yesterday, Sunday, pretty much felt a little bit better. Was able to, you uh, know, you know, cook myself a meal, cook my wife, a little meal and, uh, the kids, uh, had frozen pizzas and stuff like that. So they were good. And, um, here we are Monday and the family they f- at this point, still feeling okay. Well, everybody's good, except for my wife. My wife has been exhibiting, um, symptoms herself. Um, she's got fatigue. Um, she had a little bit of the chills the other day. Um, she's, she's all quarantined in her room over there. She's got like, actually the other thing I have too, is just nasally. You might be able to hear that. That'll pose nasally. Very nasally. Yeah. Um, yeah every now and then I'll, I'll cough, but dry cough, very little tightness in the chest, but that was yesterday. Today. I haven't coughed at all. Um, yeah, she's been having the same thing. So, but I mean, we're functioning, we're functional. It's for us, thankfully, you know, I know other people have had it worse. Um, you know, we're, I, I, I'm actually feel like I can go out and do stuff right now. I'm yeah. not going to, but, uh, right. Yeah. I'm going to stay here, staying in, indoors for the 14
0: days and yeah, just, uh, yeah, you, you and know, I were going safe. back and forth, uh, cause you immediately told me, uh, and, and I appreciate you reached out to me and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go get tested right now. And yeah, I right. came back positive and, and yeah, I just got off the phone yep. with a cheap pilot. And, yep. and, and you know, you were saying, fortunately you haven't flown since what, November 28th. So you haven't been out on the flight line. You have not needed to do any kind of contact tracing with other flight crews because that would have been a pretty big ordeal. We have had pilots here at Legacy Airlines that have uh, contracted this. I think the latest number was pretty high. I don't know, something like 400 pilots have had it. And
2: I could see it happening. I mean, the way I was ready to go to work on Friday because I did have a trip Friday. Um, I actually had a trip Friday ready to go. and. Um, you know, I, I thought about it Thursday night and I was like, Well, I'm gonna call in sick because I had the chills and everything. Yeah, <laughs> calling in sick. But you know, if I didn't have the chills, if I didn't have that um the body aches, I probably would have gone to work because I mean it it really isn't I mean it's something that you you know you kind of power through. It's nothing it's, like it really isn't really something that slows you down, yeah. At least the onset that I experienced. Mm-hmm you know, and then th- and that's how you're going to contaminate people because you will go to work and you will have the symptoms or be the carrier and you will, you know, give it to your you know, co-worker that way. And, you know, you may not even get as wor- as bad as I did. Yeah, you know, I guess. So I did have one contact with one in one of our coworkers, one pilot, um, a fellow, fellow, a tailwinder. Um, because we when I was over at the volleyball courts, uh, he lives in that neighborhood that's right there. anyway, I was there exchanging Christmas gifts. We hung out for about two hours. And um, so I call him, and he was actually 10 minutes from walking out the door to go on a trip himself. Uh-huh. And um, so uh, I called him up, and I was like, "Dude." we need to talk about this. You know, you probably should stay home call in sick. And then, you know, we'll deal with the protocols afterwards. Yeah. So I had to talk him into it and he did. And um, I just got, I just got a call from him. So I'm going to check it later on and see, he he just got off the phone with the chief pilot and I'm sure he's going to be uh, in the same boat that I am. Yeah. So he tests, he actually tested negative with the rapid test yesterday. Oh. Um, so that's good. But they say that from what I'm learning, you know, if you test too early, uh, you may not test positive. Yeah. So he could be a, you know, what do they call it? A false negative. So he's going to get the uh, PCR test done, um, I think tomorrow. So we'll know more about him, but he is exhibiting a couple of the same
0: symptoms that I am. So. Yeah. And we wanted to talk a little bit about this. And I do really appreciate, you know, you sharing this with all of us because, The segment is realities of COVID on the flight line. Now, we've talked about this ad nauseum since the beginning of the year when we started dealing with all this. Uh, It really affected the airlines the beginning of April. Uh, Most of our listeners that have been listening since then know that... I pretty much had the entire month of April off because everything got canceled because everything was on a lockdown. And, you know, this lockdown, that was April. Here we are at the end of December. We've got the last week of December here uh, coming up, and and we're still under this lockdown. California right now is under a major, major lockdown. You know, we, we – uh, wow. <laughs> everything. You can't even – you can't sit at an outdoor restaurant. And you can order food to go a lot of restaurants won't even let you in the building you order it either via a mobile app or online or you make a phone call and then they deliver it to your car they bring it out to your car there's no walking into the establishment um and it's it's different depending on the county that you're in and southern california yeah. has a lot of counties so there's a lot of variants here uh i've been flying i've been very fortunate uh since uh roger and i finished up our little project i drove back to Uh, my place, um, that evening, which was Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, I had a a 3am wake up and I was out the door and, uh, did a trip. And then I've been basically flying since then. And, uh, today's my one day off this, this week. And, (laughs) uh, I go right back out tomorrow morning, 5am. So, um, I've spoken with many pilots, many captains that I've flown with, um, seems to be kind of one of the new hot topic questions. We used to ask each other, you know, did you commute? Do you have any kids? Uh, You know, where where were you flying before this? Uh, You know, the typical questions we ask each other when we first meet in the cockpit or the flight deck. And uh, now the new question is, so do you, have you had it? Do you know anybody that's had it? And uh, surprisingly, many of the pilots that I've flown with, uh, I wouldn't say the majority, but... A very good handful have already had it, uh, went through it, and their symptoms vary. Now, Rob, you've had very mild symptoms, I would say, uh, and I think you'd agree. Yeah. Uh, I've, yeah, a lot of the captains up flown would said, yeah, I've had flus that are way worse than this. I mean, it's just that it's contagious, and I had to isolate, and I had two weeks off, and most of them are happy that if you're on a flying block, the company has uh, worked out an agreement with our Union, the Legacy Pilots Association, and you actually get a paid leave of absence. So whatever you were flying, you have pay guarantee because it's a COVID-related absence and they don't want you to come into work. So it, it's kind of an incentive to get you to say, well, when in doubt, call in sick, get paid to stay home because I don't want to spread it. And it was a really smart thing to do. Roger, do you have any kind of incentive through your employer that if you get it, you stay home with pay, or is it just not something that has come up yet?
1: It's not something that's come up yet for us. It was kind of actually just the other day I was talking to one of the other guys about it, and it's at this point, it's only in my opinion, which obviously all of this stuff is just an opinion. Um, it's just a matter of time. Just listening to to Rob's story, you can kind of see the insidious nature of this. Disease or infection. Well, I went out and I was at my daughter's volleyball practice, and I helped a friend on their truck, and and I didn't feel all that great. But I have a life, and I need to get things done. And then I went back to my daughter's volleyball practice, and I was going to go to work, but unfortunately, that's where the chain broke. But given that, I mean, and that's why the government, you know, wants us to do all this stuff. It's just really hard. But then you never know with all those interactions because no matter how careful we are, we all are having these interactions. And just because you don't feel 100 you know, percent, if everybody did, stayed home when they didn't feel 100 percent, nobody you'd, you'd never see anybody. We oh. would have no life. We'd have no civilization, right? Yeah. Um, but given, given the nature of that, I, I do think it's only a matter of time. Before it affects our department as well. Now that being said, it hasn't yet. I have no idea. I have. I honestly have no idea what's going to happen. We're a small, tight, tight knit group. You know, I'm fortunate that I'm on salary. I kind of suspect that it would end up being paid time off. But um, yeah, I, I honestly don't
0: know. Yeah. Well, until it happens, and you, one right. of and one until of your then, pilots come down with this, uh, the topic is kind of. Right, we'll point. just kind
1: of count ourselves fortunate that none of the flight crew or our passengers, because unlike you guys, you know our passengers are pretty consistent. Like we, we we're flying the same passengers, the same group. We don't see the 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 sheer numbers that you guys do,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and none of them have have had any experience or with it either. So
0: yeah, and at the know. same time, we don't want to. You know, here we are, uh, you know, an aviation podcast talking about the journey of today's aviator. We don't want to dispel the seriousness of the COVID-19 disease or the the, the virus itself. Um, I have flown with two of the pilots that have told me that they came down with it. One had it early on back in January. Uh, another that had it uh, just a few months ago in October. Both of them said, yeah, uh, it kicked my butt. I had to go to the ER and they got... Uh, an inhaler that they had to take home with them, they were not hospitalized. They were at the hospital for like a day and they went home that evening um The, the one captain that had it the worst relatively healthy guy in his early fifties uh contracted it he doesn't know how, and anybody that tells you they know exactly how they contracted it unless they did contact tracing they don't you don't know how do you how do you know if you catch a cold how do you how do you know what surface or what person or or where it came from you don't it's impossible especially with this incubation period but his reaction to this virus was he said he was like in bed and he didn't get out of bed for about 3 days he thought he was he was it he was done um his o2 levels were good cuz the doctor gave them the pulse oximeter and, and he said that it never dropped below like 94 uh, i think they told him if it gets below 94 93 92 somewhere around there to go back to the hospital um and uh he said that in terms of taste of smell, he still, months later, didn't have it. And uh, he said mouthwash was the only thing that he could smell. If he put a cup of mouthwash under his nose, he could smell that. But food and things like that, he couldn't smell. And he actually cracked a joke. He's like, you could be farting right now on the flight deck, and I wouldn't even know it. And I went, really? Not that I would ever do that, ladies and gentlemen. We've talked about that. That's a faux pas big time. Don't ever do that. You, you go take a walk on the wing in flight. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he said that he couldn't smell anything and, uh, and that his lungs were not 100%. He used to be an avid runner, and now he gets winded uh, even going upstairs. So it affects everyone differently. I don't want to make it sound like we believe this is not a big deal. It is a big deal. It affects everyone differently. The experts don't know exactly who's going to get affected and how. We've heard that blood type is a factor, contributing factor, that if you have a particular blood type, you're less likely to come down with symptoms if you contract it. That's been dispelled because I looked into that immediately and that has been dispelled. So we really don't know. But it's a reality that even with the vaccine being now distributed, uh, it's only a matter of time. That we all get vaccinated, or those that choose to get vaccinated get vaccinated. And hopefully, this will diminish. Now, the latest numbers from the CDC show a spike in cases, people that have been tested and tested positive. What you really need to look at here is how many people have died from the virus since the beginning. A lot of people that were contributed to being. Uh, Covid death at the beginning of this pandemic, uh, the numbers were much higher percentile wise. Also, you have to look at age and how many of those people came from hospice care, nursing home, uh, you know, medical facilities for the elderly, and the numbers are skewed dramatically uh, in that favor. So, you know, it's a serious thing. It is still going on. We are not out of the woods yet. It has affected our industry, even with this Cares Act that is any day now going to be passed, uh, possibly even by the time this airs. Uh, however, uh, it's not over. It's still going to take time, and that's what the experts have been consistent with. So thanks, Rob, for uh, sharing your experience with us. We really hope hey, that uh, you, you come through this with uh, flying colors. It sounds like you're doing very well, and, and it's going to be two weeks of fun at home.
2: Yeah, not too bad. I the only the only other thing I I I say fatigue, but also uh, you did bring up another symptom is winded. You know, whenever I uh, we have a flight of stairs here, <laughs> I walk up the flight of stairs and I get to the top, I feel like I just climbed. You know, El Capitan <laughs> in in uh, California. I am winded. Yeah. I mean, bend down and tie the shoes. I'm winded. Play tug of war with the dog i get winded so yeah that's one of the things but yeah anytime i'm glad i was able to share my story so
0: PL2 people can at least get an idea
2: of you know what some of the
0: symptoms are like yeah and it kind of has given me a lot of perspective too because uh you know i wear the mask whenever i'm in public i wear the mask even when i'm outside if i'm in the public yeah. eye i wear the mask and hopefully this vaccine uh these multiple vaccines come out and they're going to be a positive thing for us all and we can all get back to a new normal.
2: Yep. I agree. Looking for that 85% herd. What do they call it? 85% herd Herd immunity. immunity.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, I've been able to find most of my stories uh, about aviation and aviation related news from one convenient source. Our friend here on the Squawk Ident podcast, Mr. Kyle Jansen started a Facebook page a little while back called the Aviation Business Information Board. It's on Facebook if you happen to be on that social media and you would like a great source for aviation related news, I highly recommend that you search Aviation Business Information Board and check it out. Every day he and his fellow administrators post relevant links to news stories about our industry rather than searching for aviation headlines and or these headlines get sent to me through a notification. If you've not checked it out, we highly encourage you to do so now. Also, today's headlines on the Aviation Information Board are relatively exciting. And I wanted to share just a few of them with you. Just today, the latest stories, uh, one from uh, Freightwaves.com. Airbus sets sights on a zero-emission aircraft from Freightwaves. Uh, great story there. They talk about uh, zero- emission el- electric uh engines or electric motors for aviation uh aircraft uh, another uh link that was shared this morning uh cargo plane does a little tree trimming after barely making it off the runway <laughs> this is <it's> like <laughs> a i don't know if it's like a md-80 or a, i don't know what it is but uh it looks like a yakaloff or one of those Aleutian
2: russian airplanes right yeah,
0: there yeah pretty pretty uh Tight uh, (laughs) takeoff there. Uh, Really (laughs) scary, actually. Uh, Arrowtime.arrow had an article there uh, suspended after launch. SpiceJet seaplane stops service. After the loud launch of the seaplane operation, SpiceJet has suspended its operations. Uh, All great stuff. But here's what's really exciting the TSA check put travel numbers for 2020 and 2019. This is called the TSA throughput numbers. Every day, Kyle and his staff post the TSA throughput numbers. And we've got real excited here uh, around around Thanksgiving. I believe that week we were talking about the numbers. And in the last three days, we're talking the 18th, 19th, and the 20th, over a million passengers every single day have gone through TSA checkpoints in the United States. Uh, This is a little bit less than half of what the numbers were in 2019. In 2019, we we're looking at 2 million five, 2 million four, 2 million six, etc. So great place to, to pick up on this news, to stay current with aviation uh, news and the news cycle. So thanks to Kyle for putting that together. And I, I found it really a convenient place to find my news. I read it every day. A little bit later in the show, we're gonna have Kyle and a few of his cadets. And they're going to talk about what the cadet program is all about. But first, I wanted to spend a moment and discuss flight schedules during the holidays. With the corona cases reaching the highest numbers since the pandemic started, it seems like the news cycle is on spin times 10. I have been hearing a lot of shock and frustration from the public because of their inability to be with their families over the holidays. Many Americans ignored warnings to stay at home during Thanksgiving week this year, and those numbers were evident with the TSA throughput stats. Over the Thanksgiving holidays, U.S. saw 6,422,000-plus travelers passing through TSA checkpoints on Monday, November 23rd through Sunday, November 29th. While that is much-needed good news for our industry and positive indicator, that pushback to high travel demand may come back faster than we had forecasted, these numbers can also be used as evidence that the spike in travel can also account for the spike in current COVID cases and hospitalizations. Although the general public is feeling the frustration of being told that you cannot be with loved ones during this holiday season, this is a reality that has always been one of the many downsides of deciding to choose a career in aviation. Sure. There are those of us in the industry that have enough seniority to have the holidays off, but for the majority of us, we are flying on layovers, living out of a suitcase, and away from our loved ones and alone. When I'm asked what's the hardest part of a professional pilot career, it is without hesitation that I say, missing out on the special moments with the ones you love. So this holiday season, as you feel the heavy hearts of not being able to be with the ones that matter most... Remember us, the thousands that have for decades worked diligently to get you there, home, safe and sound. Well, Roger and I, as we mentioned on the onset of the show, were able to spend a little bit of time together. Yes, we practice social distancing and all that good stuff. And that was long enough ago, and we're both you know, free from contaminants and, and whatnot. So, you know, we did our part, but we got a lot done. Well, at the end of our little construction project, Roger said, hey, you want to come to the hangar and check out the airplane? I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> how can you, How I, you know, if you didn't offer that, I would have been very disappointed. So we got together and drove down to the hangar and Roger gave us a little bit of a tour from his awesome Dassault Falcon 2000. We recorded a little bit of audio and we're going to play that for you right now. Well, okay. Uh, we are here at the hangar at, uh, Gillespie field in San Diego, California. I came down and was helping out a friend of mine. You might know him as captain Roger. So we did a little bit of housework on his palace here in the San Diego area. And, today he decided to take me down to the hangar and uh, show me some of his awesome aircraft and here we are sitting in the falcon 2000 roger this is an absolute treat thank you so much for taking me down here and showing me the aircraft what can you tell me about this airplane
1: well first of all just thank you It's 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 great to have you down here and you can kind of take a look at what it's like in the in the ga world again with a private airplane my home away from home if you will um as far as the falcon 2000 it's a it's a really good airplane uh you know especially understanding its limitations which actually i think are great limitations it's a um it's a it's a transcontinental airplane it can go from coast to coast from the united states going southwest to northeast sometimes can get a little bit Um, if you're going east to west, going into the wind in the wintertime, it can sometimes get, um, you might not quite make it, but in a way that's really good for me because it's, it's going to limit how far the airplane can go, which will limit the size of my suitcase, which is a, I think (laughs) an awesome thing uh, for this airplane. It's a perfect continental continental United States airplane. Um, Canada, Mexico, Bahamas, no problem, but also limits the size of the suitcase. So that's a that's a positive aspect for it, I think.
0: Yeah, and you know your cockpit is very spacious. I see your your office has uh, really nice windows. I really like the layout of the center window. then you have the pilot direct view forward windows and then two more windows. So what are what are we looking at here this is a total of seven windows?
1: Yeah, the Falcon most of the Falcons actually have a little bit of an odd layout that they do have a total of seven windows Three on each side and then a center a center window when you first get into the airplane You don't particularly notice it. I can tell you however from personal experience having flown The model that does not have this in the Falcon 7x where they went to Just two windows. It is nice to have a full wraparound view without so many partitions in the windscreen um, but it it is kind of one of those things that separates a Falcon and you can definitely tell them and it is an easy way to separate the 900 from the 7X models because the 900s have these seven windows and the 7X only has the two um, but it is kind of a hallmark of those Falcon cockpit the Falcon cockpit view
0: yeah it is a very stunning airplane and the cabin is so impressive I don't think I've ever been on a private corporate jet before And to be able to stand up and walk down the aisle and see all this like really lavish woodwork and and fine leather, it really is just like in the movies where you're looking at people flying around in corporate airplanes. It is absolutely luxurious. And all the little cabinets and all the fine finish that uh, is here on the layout is really spectacular. What have been some of your favorite uh, moments flying around and getting to... Enjoy this uh, experience here.
1: I think some of the some of my favorite moments are mostly more the taking taking clients or the passengers, the owners on vacation. It's I think just a little bit more fun. It's a little bit more loose. A lot of the flying that we do, obviously, I mean not obviously, but is business related. It's not a lot of personal travel, and that's very. It's just much more business like. Um, but when you get people that are going on vacation, the whole aura of everything's a little bit different. Just the the way that they pack. One downside to that is that they generally pack a whole lot more stuff with them. Um, but really, th- they're much more talkative. They'll come kind of come visit you up on the flight deck, and it's just a much more informal atmosphere. And so I think on a general level, those are those are some of the more enjoyable flights, just because everything's more loose, and people are flying in that in luxury. I mean, some people um, will come on when they're going on vacation, they'll they'll bring more family members that do not fly privately all the time. And so they I mean, it it blows their mind um, the you know what it's like to not have to fly commercially and then. Nobody wants to go back and visit the commercial airlines anymore once they get a taste of, of flying around in a jet like this, where you can stand up in the cabin, which does separate it from a lot of other business jets just because it is pretty spacious.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was blown away with the fact that I sat up here and I'm currently sitting in the jump seat in the cockpit. It's a side-facing seat that sits behind the first officer's uh, compartment, first officer's seat. And I noticed right away, hey, Roger, I said, where is the cockpit door? There's no cockpit door. It's this uh, fabric curtain here that's being uh, held with a tie back. And I know that this is the way it is, but... It's just such a shock, such a different atmosphere.
1: Yeah, it's much, uh, we call it a privacy curtain. There also is a partition um, between the galley and the main cabin door, but that's not, um, let's just say that that's not to protect the pilots from what's going on. It's to protect the uh, passengers from us and what we may or may not see that goes on back there. It's it's more just for uh, passenger privacy. Not there is no safety cockpit safety in in really any business jets.
0: Yeah, and there's no need because you know your clientele, and of course, nine out of ten is the client's airplane. So, you know, why would you need that? Um, and it's a lot like a limousine with the little partition that pulls out and a little curtain. And and man, this is just really really cool. And I'm sitting here in the hangar, we're sitting in the cockpit. And across from us is another one of Roger's uh, aircraft that he gets to fly on a regular basis. What can you tell me about that airplane?
1: Well, the Falcon 900, we're right next to the Falcon 900. Uh, It's a Falcon 900 EX. Um, It's a little bit of a bigger airplane. The big difference with the 900, it does have a third engine, number one. And number two, it um, it carries a, a substantial amount more fuel, and so instead of you know at the beginning we kind of talked about some of the limitations that the 2000 has, even in the transcontinental aspect, the 900s is much more of an international airplane. Uh, it does east coast to Europe no problem, nonstop. You can go obviously, um, you can go actually west coast to the Bahamas, which is one thing that 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 our particular airplane will do is it will go down. take it from san diego and go down to puerto rico non-stop no problem um it's the 900 not because of the third engine but just because of the sheer amount of fuel that it that it will carry um really does open up much more of the world than this particular model of the of the 2000
0: yeah you know again thank you so much roger for for giving me the tour here i feel like royalty being able to to check out the airplane to walk around the hangar here and you know thank you so much and if you're ever hanging around doing some aircraft spotting around the Gillespie Field, take a look up. If you see a Falcon taking off, just make sure you wave to Roger as he dips his wing and flies on by. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. This was a, an awesome meetup. And thank you, Roger, for spending the time with me.
1: You're very welcome. It's great to see you all.
0: Well, Roger, that was awesome. Thank you so much for uh, giving us that little audio tour. I, you know, I think the thing that really impressed me the most was just being on the tarmac at a general aviation airport. I have not done that in a long time.
1: I think that was probably the most humorous part of the whole thing. When we're first, we're not even to the airplane yet. I I kid you not, Rob. We are just walking down the hangars and Tony looks around and he goes, I haven't been on it. ga airport and i think he said something like since he was a flight instructor yeah and i had to get out my fingers and toes in order to count how many (laughs) years that was he's looking i've never seen somebody so in awe of a cessna 172 before it was pretty humorous
0: (laughs) yeah and and there was a a robinson uh what uh, R? Uh, oh yeah, the R twenty
1: two trainer. Hello, oh, so, yeah. I
0: didn't realize how small these things are. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Remember, they used to fly over our heads over there by uh, tailwind
2: every time they go
1: fifty times a the...
0: day. I know. Yeah, and, and now, and now he's and sitting and looking at this thing, and
1: he's going, oh, "I didn't realize how small this was." <laughs> That's funny.
0: <laughs> it was it pretty like funny. They have I, I have engines make... in them. You're like, wow, that thing flies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I thought they were bigger you know now yeah. <laughs> i i remember uh i think you remember terry right terry schooler he he brought his blackhawk to uh to chandler airport one time oh he was he was on a I reserve unit. he was, was after your time rob uh oh, i think okay. roger was there I was though there yeah. yeah and one day he he was on his reserve unit and they had to come get fuel and he's like we're gonna go get fuel at chandler and uh he brought in his blackhawk and he landed it there in the helipad and you know i got a phone call wow. going hey come out to the helipad <laughs> and it was really cool, cool to to see <laughs> that equipment and so when i ever think about a, a helicopter i'm i always compare it to that
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, the, yeah. yeah. So
1: Robinson, how the r22 is still big it's like a <laughs> lawnmower a helicopter.
2: <laughs> Like yeah, check out that toy over there. Anyway, that, here's here's a real helicopter. Two stroke. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the controller for that thing?
0: <laughs> oh man. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But, you know, so we got that's to cool. hang out for a little while and uh, after uh we we concluded the tour, we we said our goodbyes and I drove uh back up to uh it's funny to say. I drove up to Southern California, but that's exactly what I did. Drove home and and quickly packed the bag and got everything ready to go the next day. So, but my schedule, uh, we talk, we have a little bit of time. We're going to talk a little bit about my flying schedule. Uh, Roger has been flying quite a bit, a lot of aircraft, uh, repositioning, right?
1: I did just like you, uh, that, that next morning after you had went home, I, I flew five in the span of two hours, The very next day moving airplanes and various, <laughs> Rob's facial expression was, was priceless there. It's like
0: touch and goes, basically. <laughs>
1: yeah, flying a jet, flying that many legs in a jet um, in that amount of time, pro- probably one of the more challenging things you can do in aviation, actually.
0: Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and you were dealing with Absolutely. customs because a lot of these airplanes had to go back and forth uh, over the border.
1: Which was a, uh, an interesting experience in and of itself, to say the least.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah. Did you have to grease any palms? <laughs> no.
1: No, that was not that was not part of it. However, I I have now had the experience. I I, I'm not even sure what happened, to be honest with you. I crossed I went from Mexico and I flew to the United States with a one two zero zero squat code and didn't talk to a soul. Hmm. That's wow. exact. Yes, that was pretty much the look I had on my face before I even took off because I was like, is this, can we do this? Right. How is this going to work? But is nobody's called me. I, I, I'm still not sure. And I called up L.A. Center on the way home on the next leg and the, he, he wasn't sure. The whole thing was kind of a surreal experience. Oh, my uh, For goodness. my six minute flight. That was in, on my six minute flight. Yeah.
2: Well, it wouldn't be your fault, though. It wouldn't be ATC because they're the ones that issue the codes. So <laughs> well, I'm just not sure. I'm not. I'm, how does that how does that really work? If you're flying and you
1: cross the is?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Who, who gets you in trouble? I remember flying um, one of our students airplanes over to a Rocky Point from Chandler. Mm-hmm. And we did a flight plan. I don't even think it was IFR though. You know, we did a VFR flight plan, flight following, and I know we got a squat code for that. But when we approached the border, I don't remember. I, maybe we went back to 1200 or. Um, yeah. I always thought uh-huh. you had
1: to have a discrete squat code and a flight. Plan. I'm not even sure if I had a flight plan.
0: Yeah. yeah I'm a little of- hazy on the whole. <laughs> I think <they're laughs> <on> what exactly <laughs> happened. A flight plan. I, I'm pretty There's sure. There's probably
2: that- DEA agents all over your plane right now. <laughs>
1: I, like I said, I'm I'm honestly not really sure what happened. <laughs>
0: that's crazy. That's funny. <laughs> oh, oh man, boy. that's crazy. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> no, well, you know, good for you that you were able to to knock all that out, and that could be exhausting. A lot of people don't realize; they think that the, oh, Absolutely. the long flights are tiring, but no, the short flights are the ones where you're really earning your money because you're there's not a moment to. To sit back and take a breath.
1: Extremely compressed in a very Everything that you
0: do in a four hour flight, you have to do in the twenty-five
2: minutes or whatever that you're offering. Everything.
0: Well, aviation could be summed up with a very uh, popular saying is you know, flying an airplane is usually fifteen minutes of sheer terror followed by hours of boredom, followed by fifteen minutes of sheer terror right before you land. (laughs) And when you don't have those four hours of boredom in between, it's just terror 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 Half anything an less than terror. 30 minutes is terror <laughs> <laughs> my funny. my
1: longest flight that day was 24 minutes wow. that was my long that was the long
2: leg wow and That's what was crazy. the shortest yeah. Six. Oh my how heavens.
0: can you you can't even be in the pattern yeah. for six
2: minutes do you what even the... leave your gear down what do you do i, I leave the flaps and no, leave the gear I down the,
1: i pulled the gear up and i pulled the flaps up I don't think I ever went past hundred and eighty knots that was that that was that customs leg I was just talking about, and I think that you know for all the people that think i'm I'm dead crazy out there it it was a six minute flight there was like there was some flight planning with with uh, the Mexican authorities, uh but it was from Mexicali into Calexico. and oh, yeah. it was take off take off, and the the our, the clearance was literally from Mexicali from the tower. Take off, climb to 2500 and Calexico's 122.8 for the CTAF. Nice. And that was it.
2: <laughs> so you're probably monitoring Calexico before you even take off you, the you see take off, traffic and, then you there. Call,
1: you, and then you call and you kind of see the border, the, the fence and the border right under you, and you call up the CTAF. Well, okay. Well, here we we're are. At a six mile final. That's, nice. that's,
0: awesome, that's, awesome. Awesome. that's awesome. awesome. It was that's insane.
1: It was kind of insane. But anyway, that was the the shortest leg. 24 minutes was the longest leg. Six was the shortest. 17, 10, and 10, all in minutes.
0: Yeah, you get the uh, award for this episode's uh, leg of the episode. Maybe we should introduce that. (laughs) (laughs) Who had the most exciting leg this week? Well, Roger, my hat's off to you. Uh, Rob, have you flown at all? What's that? Not since uh, November 28th. You were supposed to fly on on the on Friday, and so now you're. uh, Are you even gonna be current? You're gonna have to get some landings (laughs) under your belt, aren't you? Ah well, not really. I I had training last month, so that Uh, keeps me current. So, yeah, yeah,
2: no. So what am I talking about? Getting current, (laughs)
0: right? You have to have three full stop landings within 90 days now. That's a general aviation rule, and it's also a rule for a 121 carrier. So we, yep. we keep track of our landings. After a first officer at Legacy Airlines conducts a landing, you have multiple ways of entering it into the computer system. I choose to put in my employee number in the FMGC on the Airbus on a page that sends up a, a message. I think it's miscellaneous 26 uh, message, and I send that out, or I can send a post-flight Uh, message that says hey give me the landing credit and it updates my landing currency so i it it's kind of a last in last out landing so it looks back to the most uh recent and then it goes two more back from that and if you get close to going 90 days without having logged a landing it's supposed to send you a notification going hey your landing currency is about to expire now if yep. it expires congratulations you are no longer current you will be removed from any scheduled flying without pay until the training department schedules a time for you to come into the sim and do 3 landings now you're going to do more than 3 landings have rob have you ever uh, been tagged to do a landing currency at the simulator no i haven't yeah i haven't I either uh, but i have had pilots that have bragged about it, like yeah, man, I, I haven't flown for like three months. I had to go get current, yeah. and it's like, well, I really? think it's common in the heavy world. In yes, the heavy world. I think it's pretty common, especially if you're the F uh, F O B or F O C or yeah, whatever F-B they call or it. fc, F-C yeah. F-C, yeah. Um, the food boy, F B, yeah. So, so you'll you'll take, they'll deadhead you out to their training center, whether that's Dallas or Charlotte or wherever it is, and uh, they'll get you in the simulator for an hour. Uh, it takes you what ten minutes to do three landings. Of course, you're going to do a takeoff. You're going to do an approach. You might do some holding. You might do a a V1 cut. Why? Why not? You know, I would definitely take that opportunity. Uh, If you're ever in a simulator for your employer and they're like, well, uh, we got done early. Got, you know, 30 minutes left in the sim. Do you want to see anything or do anything? You know, look at the other guy and and make sure it's okay with them or, or him or her. And if you guys aren't in a hurry to catch a flight home. By all means, you're in a multi-million dollar full motion sim. Go do something, you know? That's already paid for. <laughs> yeah. Practice a, a dual engine failure at uh, 3,000 feet on short final. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, just, exactly. You know, Seriously. What's the worst As long Knock as you don't you know, red screen Given it. Given
2: your worst case scenario that you always had pilot nightmares over, like, you know, what, what am I going to do when this happens because you don't train that? That's, that's what I like to do you know short final engine failure full flaps you know crosswind and uh turbulence with a little bit of wind shear give me an engine failure yeah. <laughs> or an engine fire let's see what happens yeah and, you know, and at least that can way you know out due to you know cavitation and stuff like that so right I have a compressor stall so
0: let's the only thing happens. they uh, frown upon is uh, red screening the uh simulator right. because it takes it offline and then the engineers have to come in and reset a bunch of stuff. And yeah. so you never want to red screen a simulator. It's, it's so th- that, that's, that's, that's when I you say, fun.
2: Hey, keep your finger on the pause button just in case it gets
0: gets out of hand. Yeah. If it looks ugly, <laughs> kill it. <laughs> <laughs> Control all delete. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, good. Well, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that, uh, you know, Rob, you're getting some time off and Roger that you've, you've been flying and that's always a positive, um, after I got back from our, uh, little trip, uh, I deadheaded the next morning to Phoenix and the flight was relatively full and not surprisingly, or early morning flight to Phoenix. I sat for two and a half hours in Phoenix and the only thing I took with me, I mean, this is how courageous I was. The only bag I took with me was my kit bag, nothing extra because I totally had confidence that I was going to make it back. Dude, <laughs> never do that. Never. But it was so cool. It just—I was—I since I got a little haircut here, since all the barber shops are closed in in California, uh, I had to get the uh, the dog clippers out and shave my head. So <laughs> I felt a little bit of a draft, and I didn't want to get my sun uh, burn on, so um, I wore the hat and with the uniform. Oh. And uh, here I am walking through the the terminal with. i thought
2: you normally wear a hat anyway
0: i did but then i you know i had longer hair so i was took the hat off i was like i'm not gonna wear this hat for a while but now i'm back to wearing the hat because you know i I got a shaved head and (laughs) and uh so here i am with the hat the mask so i i literally look like like (sighs) yeah I yeah. am your pilot. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you know, it was great. I jumped in the cockpit. Uh, the captain's—he also had a smaller bag, uh, and uh, we had a nice flight. One hour, 50, fifty-seven minutes. Roger. That's about as short as they get for me. Fifty-seven minutes in route, yeah. Phoenix to L.A. I, I can fly five legs in that in that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I believe it uh, landed done for the day and be, and be at home. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. You, you
1: go, you get a nap in there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Five walk arounds. He's done. He's done. So, you know, and, and my (laughs) captain goes, Hey man, I haven't flown in like two and a half months. Do you mind if I take this landing? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. I got plenty of flying the rest of the month. I'm not worried about my currency. So he flew the leg into L.A., parked the airplane. Uh, I just got off the plane after the post flight procedures were complete and hopped on the employee bus, got in my car, and drove back home. Uh, then I—it's a great feeling. I was a little tired the next yeah. day because I had been, you know, commuting back and forth to San Diego, and then I had the next morning. I didn't really get to sleep in. I got right into it, and so I kind of slept in on the, that was Thursday, Friday morning. Guess what? Back to the airport again, Uh, 5 a.m. sign in. I had to deadhead this time to DFW. So a little longer flight, and it was on the 787. And I thought, oh, wow, this is nice. I like this airplane. Very nice. For those who have not been a passenger on a 787, the airplane that Legacy Airlines uses is wonderful. It has three packs or passenger heating and air conditioning systems, uh, pressurization systems. And so it actually pressurizes the cabin to a maximum elevation of 6,000 feet versus every other variant of aircraft that is currently being used in the United States as an airliner. They pressurize to a maximum cabin elevation of 8,000 feet, which means when you're in the back reading the paper or uh, watching a film, you're actually at a cabin pressure of what it would be like as if you were at an 8,000-foot elevation on the side of a hill or a mountain or something. That's why a lot of people get tired. That's why a lot of people doze off when they fly uh, because they're oxygen. And I think
2: they also add a little humidity to it too. Yes,
0: uh, the 7-8 has humidifiers in their air conditioning system. So you land very much refreshed. But I've got to admit... I had an exit row towards the rear of the aircraft. I had an open seat next to me. It was really nice, spacious legroom with no one in front of me. And I really enjoyed that. It was very comfortable. However, it was a very full flight. And I've got to say, I am not too impressed with the type of passengers (laughs) that were flying that morning. I mean, it smelled like weed from the moment the first group came on until the last group got off, <laughs> and it was pretty dank. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm judging on what people do, uh, what is legal and not legal, and what they do in their spare time, but man, it, it, to be in a confined space and, and have to smell that you know, and not partake. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. It, yeah. It, you know, and it wasn't just that; it was kind of the caliber of of today's passenger has kind of deteriorated a bit because now it's mostly leisure travel, with airfare being you know 40, 50 bucks for a, a ticket, almost anybody can afford to go nowadays. And the business traveler yeah. is just not traveling; they're zoom calling it, and so we have a yeah a different crowd. Yeah, we have passengers on board that are um, certainly wouldn't
2: choose uh, Legacy due to the fare. Um, now that the fares are so competitive with all the low-cost carriers, they're choosing you know, to get the, the best fare. And at that day, it seems like Legacy was the one, and
0: they get to go for a ride on a 780s next to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I, I didn't mind that as much as I minded the freaking pants on the ground. Come on, man. Pull your know, damn pants up, up. I don't want to see that. Uh, uh. I don't want to see your butt. I don't want to see your underwear. I don't know. Pull your damn. If you're uh, going to be on an airplane, ladies and gentlemen, wear a belt. Put on <laughs> pants. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And put on pants. Yeah.
0: And put on pants. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite thing white I saw though. is not a shirt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, undershirts are not. Yeah. But my favorite thing I saw uh, in the past couple of days in the airport is actually in Phoenix a grown ass woman wearing a onesie pajama zip up in the airport i mean oh, the man. whole like adult onesie pajama watch her watch her
2: be the executive platinum of the airline too <laughs> i mean come on man <laughs>
0: Hey, I could do whatever I want. I paid for this thing. <laughs> you know, there used to be a time when, yeah. you know. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. No, I know. Now, yeah. Roger, do any True. of your passengers come on board with a onesie or in their pajamas or in a bathrobe or or with their pillow or their snuggie or I have not ever
1: had that happen. <laughs> no.
0: Now, uh, I will say that there
1: ha- that, that that it that that kind of behavior is more likely or more apt to happen on in the charter world where you actually have rotating passengers, like where, where a group is going to rent the airplane. I do not fly in that uh, type of operation. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, like you just said, you know, there used to be a time and today's times are just a lot different. Um, and much like you, I'm going to pretty much cut it off right there. And, um, I'm gonna count my blessings that fortunately no. I have not had any wife beaters, any of our pastors show up in wife beaters without pants, pants on the floors, onesie pajamas, or any other um yeah, interesting clothing combinations. You know, most of this most of the stuff that I do now is business related. I mean, they're they're business people and, yeah. and they dress accordingly. I yeah mean, to to be succinct about it.
0: And and you know, this is uh public service announcement. If you are listening, most of the people that listen to our show are aviators or aviation enthusiasts, so i kind of preaching to the choir here. If you're going to fly on a commercial aircraft or a private jet, do not show up in flip-flops, okay, or slippers, or pajamas, okay, because here's the thing. Heaven forbid, on takeoff, a tire gets blown, a high-speed abort happens, the aircraft happens to overheat the brakes and kind of swerve and end up in the grass. Now that catches on fire. Now you have to egress the aircraft. The emergency evacuation checklist is underway. Everyone's going out of an emergency exit and jumping on a slide. If there happens to be debris, fire, broken glass, shards of metal, Rocks, anything that you can step on that will cut you that will hurt you How much protection are you going to have wearing flip flops on the airplane now I'm all for being comfortable, but once you're in the safe area of the flight, which is above ten thousand feet, everybody hears the ding and they take you know if the seatbelt sign goes off, they take off the seatbelt. Or they start watching a movie or get on the internet or whatever they're doing. That's the time where you can go, okay, I'm going to untie and take off my shoes uh, to be more comfortable and keep them on the floor. Don't put them in between the seats and the person in front of you, because that's a good way to get poked with my pen. Just saying. Uh, (laughs) And don't put gum in people's hair. (laughs) <laughs> everyone's seen this viral video what the I saw that heck one. That was on. awesome. uh no rob it's not awesome <laughs> that I, I, was awesome you know dude. what that was fake news ladies and gentlemen that was oh, fake no. news a i mean it was set up sure oh my god um but yeah don't don't just be courteous to to the fact that you're in a public space it is not your private jet if you want a private jet give roger a call and then we can uh, work out uh some tickets for you. You can buy a
1: purchase. In which case, your pilot might be in shorts and flip-flops.
0: <laughs> He's just kidding, ladies and gentlemen. He's yeah. just kidding. <laughs> well. <laughs> it was that one time, man. <laughs>
1: there, there was one time. Yeah. I, as, the, as a pilot of a rather sizable corporate jet. I think we might have talked about this before. We did.
0: There was at one time. Okay.
1: Did operate an aircraft in shorts, oh, yeah. t-shirts, and flip-flops. Okay. Not yep. by cho- I will say that was not by choice. That was uh, <laughs> uh, out of somewhat necessity. But it did happen.
0: It sure did. It sure safely. did. And, <laughs> and safely. I would give anything to see a photo of that. <laughs> well... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined with Mr. Kyle Jansen and some amazing aviators that are going through the cadet program and some administrators as well. So stick around. The Squawk in podcast will continue after a brief message. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from the break. Now, before we introduce Kyle to the show, I did have an experience on a flight coming back uh, from from Dallas, actually, and I really was impressed. During the pre-flight briefing, uh, someone knocked on our flight deck door during the boarding time, and we both paused from our brief and turned around and uh, saw a gentleman who introduced himself, and he said, hey, I just wanted to say thank you so much for flying my dad. He's a World War II vet, he's 101 years old, and he's going to meet all 50 governors in all 50 states, and I just want to say thank you. And he gave us some business cards. And, wow, talk about an amazing story. And I had the privilege uh, to to have him on our flight. Uh, He has a webpage. I'd like to share that with all of you. It's uh, www.gosydneygo.com. That's G-O-S-I-D-N-E-Y-G-O.com. Go, Sydney, go. And he's currently on a No Regrets Tour. This tour gives everyone an opportunity to meet a World War II vet before they're all gone. Sydney Walton is 101 years old. He's one of America's last World War II vets. Regretting missing a chance to meet... Uh, Civil War vets. So he began to do this tour called the No Regrets Tour, where he goes to all 50 states and he meets all 50 governors and everyone who wants to meet a World War II vet. Uh, the webpage is great. It shows a great picture of him. Uh, there's one of him in in front of a, a silk-wrapped or a, a commercially-wrapped vehicle, for the tour. Um, and that's exactly what he looked like. I got to meet him. It was an honor. That's it right there, Rob. Um, he was born in New York on February 11th, of 1919. He joined the US Army at 22 years old. He enlisted in March of 1941, nine months before the US formally entered World War II. And in 1944, he learned he would be shipped out to Europe, where his unit took part in what we now know today as the Battle of the Bulge. Unfortunately, Sidney missed out. On that opportunity to fight in the European Theater, before his shipment date, he broke his ankle and had to stay behind for recovery. Once his ankle healed, he was assigned to the China-Burma-India Theater, where he remained until the war's end, serving as a corporal and medical technician in the 34th Infantry, 8th Division. The only time he took a break in five years of war was to attend his mother's funeral back at home in New York City. At the end of the war, Sidney entered graduate school at Yale, then went on to teach geology at Duke University. He met the love of his life, Rena Bell, in Boston on a blind date. They married and had a son, Paul. Then they moved to Bangor, Maine, where Sidney worked as a civilian at Dow Air Force. They had two daughters, Judy and Ellie. And I'll leave the rest up to the viewer to check out the webpage and read about his amazing story, his journey. What a treat it was to have him aboard my aircraft. I am so grateful for his son to pop his head into the flight deck and say, hey guys, thanks a lot for having us and giving us this wonderful opportunity to talk about it with all of you today. So check it out.
1: Well, thanks so much. Yeah, I think I'm probably going cut it, to cut it off a little early because I have two wild children running around in the background that I need to go
0: whip into shape. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I wish you luck, and uh, I wish you a very good holiday season, sir. Thank you so much. Merry
1: Christmas to to both of you, you gentlemen. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. If I don't catch you before then, and yeah, happy- uh, I think I I speak on behalf of everybody. May May 2021 be far <laughs> better than the year that shall not be <laughs> named.
0: Yep. First rule of 2020 is we don't talk about 2020. Yeah. 2020,
2: 2020 is about to turn 21. So you better watch out. Oh boy.
0: (laughs) Drinking age.
2: Yeah. Merry Christmas, Roger, and happy new year and wish you all the best and, uh, and, uh, go take care of your kids. I know they're probably full of
0: energy like mine and (laughs) oh my goodness. Enjoy it. It's brutal. Oh my God. (laughs) Didn't I say we got to bottle up that energy? Oh, and yeah. sell it yeah. I mean, We'd
1: we'd be trillionaires
0: uh, send some my way for sure <laughs> yeah and then, you know i hope you feel better rob
1: uh thanks all Appreciate the best it. to you and your family you know hopefully your, you. you know other kids don't get it especially as we come up on christmas but uh, yeah thank everybody you. stay healthy merry christmas and um all the best to you guys and
2: take care all right roger take care
0: all thank right. you sir Now, we would like to welcome back to the show a returning guest. We first introduced to the podcast universe, Mr. Kyle Jensen, in episode 46, entitled All in the Flying Family, where he told us about his amazing journey in aviation, his family's dedication to the Gary Sinise Foundation, and his online venture as creator and administrator of the Aviation Business Information Board on Facebook. The last time he was on the show, he said he would return with some pilots that he has been mentoring for the Legacy Airlines Cadet Program, and he has done just that. Please help us in welcoming back to the Squawk Ident Podcast, Mr. Kyle Jensen, as he introduces us to his cadets, Will Saunders and Travis Gove. Also joining us today is an American Airlines Cadet Program recruiter, Ms. Jennifer Bloom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. How you doing?
0: Hello. Hello. Well, Kyle, let's start with you. First off, thank you for bringing this idea to us here. You know, Kyle reached out to me a little while back and said, hey, man, remember when I said I'd, I'd like to bring my cadets on? Let's do it. And I can bring a recruiter on the show as well. And I said, this is amazing. Let's do it. What have you been up to since we last spoke back in June?
3: Well, been flying my tail off. Uh you know, summer months were uh, busy months for the airlines and uh, uh started getting into uh the zero timeline uh with the legacy uh, letter of agreement. Uh so trying to uh, been flying been flying a lot. Flying a lot and uh Trying to uh, stay busy, staying busy at home.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. We we've, we've spoken in detail about the zero timelines that have affected us here at the Legacy Airlines, the the name we use here as an alias to our employer, since uh, we don't represent the company in any way, shape, or form. But we do enjoy sharing the news that we can and talking about this amazing journey in aviation. Well, and. And Kyle, congratulations on the big news. Would you like to share that with us now that I put you on the spot?
3: Yeah, uh, my wife and I are expecting our uh, first in March. Maybe uh, girl will in March. We're uh, beyond blessed and excited for her arrival. So as you uh, can assume, uh, there's lots of things to accomplish before she gets here. And uh, uh, things are coming along.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations. You know, uh, what a great time. Congrats, Kyle.
3: Thank you. Congrats,
4: yeah, congrats Kyle.
0: Thank yeah. you. Exciting time. And I know the in-laws and your parents are probably losing their Ecstatic. stuff right now. <laughs>
2: yeah. I know one thing's for sure, and it's tr- going to be a, a probably a, to- a topic for the next podcast, Kyle, is you're going to be going to work to get some rest.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've flown <laughs> with a few uh, pilots that have said, you know, you're going to go to your layover and you're just going to hit the bed and not wake up till the next show time the next day. It's like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think it's the only permissible time to be a slam clicker in the industry is when you're a new father.
5: Yeah. Okay. Or a new parent.
0: Congrats, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you mentioned you have been on a zero timeline, but you're flying your butt off. Yes. How did you make that happen and how has it been going?
3: Well, uh the zero timeline uh, is a first time for this legacy carrier. Uh it's I would call it an experiment. It's never been done before. And basically what it is is uh we we do not uh, the pilot that picks the uh, zero uh timeline does not get a uh schedule um a month prior. Uh however, they have the ability to pick up open time flying or uh the Ability to trip trade with another pilot um it's been going a lot better than most of us thought it would go mm-hmm. um there have been a lot of pilots that have been uh flying as much as they want and there's been pilots that have been flying very as little as they want but they have the uh, they have that choice so
0: yeah
3: uh in my opinion it's gone uh gone a little better um than uh than we thought and uh uh, it's one of those things where, um, you don't know when your next trip's going to be. So, uh, if you don't have anything going on, you may as well go fly. And, um, the wife tells me to, uh, when I'm home for uh, quite a, a period of time that I need to go pick up some flying. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's what I've been doing uh, last yeah. month, the flu, uh, about 76 hours and, Uh, This month I have a a transition month um, for 95 hours this month. Um, Wow! But uh, I've had vacation this month and last month. So, and generally uh, November, December's are uh, slower times uh, for uh, all the airline schedules. So it's 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 worked out uh, worked out well so far.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I and I've got to admit, um, I am very impressed with how this is all come to play. Um, There are those that are on the social media zero timeline boards. Um, We've talked about how to pick up trips and the different avenues to doing so that are very upset because they have very little hours and they think that that this is not fair, that why I have to fight in a pool of sharks to get flight time. Meanwhile, there are people with zero timelines that have 80, 90 hours. And meanwhile, I have Hours and I'm fighting, and I can't get any hours in there. And they've some of these uh boards have elected to introduce their own version of seniority bidding or low time bidding by using pay projection uh, values. So the person with the lower projected value for the following month would get paid, would get the trip. Mm-hmm. But when you own a trip and you're giving it to someone else, really you give it to whoever you want. There is, there is no rule. There is no language in our uh, legacy airline association uh, pilot group uh, that says you can't give it to a particular person. So, And hey. one
3: thing that we have learned throughout this, and I know a lot of pilots don't generally get into their own contract, however with this we have learned that uh you can do pilot to pilot trading up to 1 minute prior to sign in so if you have a trip leaving that same day and as long as it's before the sign in time you can trip trade to, to anybody you want to drop the trip to wow so that's one thing that we have found out that is uh i guess that's a good good thing for the pilot group uh, uh to to do that so just yeah. Uh, know that going forward.
0: Yeah, I, I actually, now that uh, we had some breaking news uh, just come across the uh, your page, actually, thank you for posting that, is yes. the COVID relief package has been approved. Uh, they have 72 hours from when it, it finally goes through the House and the Senate and everything, all the signatures get done. It, it's pretty much a done deal. The language has now been released to the public, uh, and our company has agreed to bring everyone back within 72 hours of when it's official and will back pay them through December 1st. This is huge. Um, You know, now that the zero timeline is going to be going away, I'm going to tell you some secrets that I've been using. Now, some of my fellow pilots here in the LA area have been complaining about not getting much flying because there really has been, not much out there. It's been scraps. As the viewers have heard, a lot of the flying that I've been doing is a dead head out and one leg back, and it's been scraps. But the way I did it was, I was able to pick up like one or two trips for the month of December. I got about 20 hours. It was not bad. I was prepared financially to have a 20-hour paycheck for the month. But then I had used all the available resources that I had at my uh, ability to use and I used uh, what we call lightsaber and I put a generic bid in there I left it in there as a continuous um, I put in there a trade immediately so I didn't have to verify anything I had something through a program called a TTS or a trip trading system uh, and I had some bids in there and what I did there was I found all the trips that were blocked for IOE and I put a bid in if it opens up I want it. Right. And I was able to pick up a trip that way because it didn't go to IOE. The training department released it. And guess what? I'm going to Kona tomorrow. Yay. Um, and then there's some other things. I got a day trip. Now, as a zero timeline holder, we technically were not allowed to pick up open time, meaning there's no one assigned to the trip. So you ZTL cannot pick up open time. They can only do pilot to pilot drops or premium pay, which is okay. Scheduling doesn't have anyone that can fly this. They're going to pay time and a half. It goes o- to premium
3: open time during D O T C
0: during the window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would then get a day trip that was dropped to me from another pilot. And then I would surf through the trips that were open and I would trip trade because once the, the trip was in my name, I now own that trip and I could trade it, so I'm not technically picking up open time, I can trade it. So I would pick up, trade it for a four-day. So I was able to build my, my month up, just like you. I got about 80 hours for December. Um, and actually, I was supposed to have yesterday and the day before off, but I forgot about my lightsaber bid, and I, we were supposed to do this on, for, what was it, Friday or Saturday? And, and Oh, yeah. man. So, hey, I'm not complaining. Uh, I was able to to use the system to the best of my knowledge simply because I did my homework. And I encourage all, all the aviators out there that once you get on with a, a mainline carrier, an airline, a regional, even a corporate operator, know your contract. I never in a million years thought I would want to be a lawyer or have to study anything legal until I became a pilot and realized in order to protect my license and build a good schedule, <laughs> I need to get into the minutia of the legal parts of the contract. So yeah, definitely worked out for me. So the Rona it's around, it's, we're finally at this, uh, uh vaccines that have been approved. One has been approved by the FAA, uh, the Moderna vaccine. Uh, we are days away from another FAA approval with that. How has that Kyle affected you?
3: Well, um, my everyday lifestyle. Um, I, I like to get out of the house and, uh, go see friends and uh i'm a big uh travis can attest to this i, I like to meet people uh, all the time by lunch and dinner and um catch up and um haven't really been able to do that and then uh maybe the biggest thing for me is uh with my wife being in the medical field after i get home from a trip um uh, I got to strip down in the garage. I got to spray down my suitcase and my bags and, you know, uh, go immediately take a shower, get cleaned up and do laundry. And it, uh, it's, or before just, you, you know, you're dragging your suitcase in. that's the last thing you want to do when you get home from a four day trip is, yeah. you know, you have an extra 30 minutes to, uh, bigger stuff out. But, uh, yeah um that and then uh, being out on the road not being able depending on the city uh not being able to to go out not being to get out of the hotel room um go walk around go hike um go try out the uh, the local restaurants um uh it's been you know takeout and uh uh uber eats or uh one of those at certain cities and it's it's Kind of sad to see, but uh, we got to do what we got to do right now in order to uh, uh, let this pass.
0: Yeah. And I feel like, uh, you know, probably the next 90 days, we're going to start to see some of these restrictions get lifted or at Mm -hmm. least lessened. And and that'll help the quality of life issues as we all have been facing in this industry. Now, before we introduce uh, some special guests to the show, I wanted to find out, Kyle, how did you get involved uh, to be a mentor in this cadet program for Legacy Airlines?
3: Okay. Well, um, I've always been, uh, would say mentor, uh, to the younger generation as I've progressed throughout my career. Um, kind of showing, uh, the younger pilots, um, kind of which direction they uh, should go or what direction uh, I think they should go. And, uh, uh, kind of giving them uh, a guidance on, on how to do it, how to get there and who to talk to and, um, and so forth. And then I found out uh, the legacy airline had a cadet program and uh, threw my name into the hat and uh, been here about a year and a half. And I have uh, two uh, amazing cadets right now that uh, I've seen them work very hard all year. And uh, uh, I'm glad I'm helping them out and uh, watching them uh, on on their start of their journey, and uh, hopefully be able to fly with them one day at, uh, at the Legacy Airline.
0: Yeah, and let's introduce our first cadet to the show, Travis, how are you, how are you doing, and where are you joining us from today?
6: I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on here. I'm uh, I'm actually up here in Kearney, Nebraska. It's about uh, two hours west of Lincoln. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the uh, geography of Nebraska, but uh, currently up here at uh, at my uh, first gig out of this out of the uh, training and at uh, helping students at uh, University of Nebraska Kearney is a 141 program up here. Damn. So,
0: well, welcome to the show. We look forward to hearing a little bit about your journey as well. Sure. And another cadet that's joining us today, that will what uh, what's been going on? How are you doing? And where are you joining us from?
4: Hey, thanks for having me. Um, everything's been going well. I just finished up my CFI checkride on Saturday. Passed that first time round.
2: Congrats, man!
4: Yay! Thank you. And so now I'm I moved back up to uh, to South Carolina, Charleston. And, um, I think I'm going to take this, this festive period off and then jump right into CFI training or into CFI.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got to say my hat's off to you two gentlemen, because, you know, I've been doing this for quite some time, a couple decades, uh, of, of aviation and i got to go on to the flight line over at Gillespie field in San Diego recently, uh, which we spoke of earlier on this episode with our, uh, co-host captain Roger, who, uh, had to leave us a little earlier. Um, and I was just so impressed. I was like, man, I was excited. I was like a little kid in a candy store. I was like, I haven't been on a GA flight line. in so long. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, actually a little intimidating. Uh, All the moving pieces of a general aviation ramp, when you get into the bubble of an airline and, you know, your responsibilities really lie within the operation of the aircraft and you're no longer doing all that other stuff like the, the weather planning and the flight planning and the fuel planning, that's all done for you. You're really spoiled and, you know, you're you're in the footprint of the aircraft on a walk around, that's really limits your exposure to the ramp. And then you go walk on a GA ramp and you got cars and helicopters and jets and, and piston powered aircraft. And it's all just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So my hat's off to you gentlemen, uh, for being at this stage in your careers. Don't ever lose that. That's, that's (laughs) the, the thrill of the GA ramp. Um, so thank you. And also joining us today, I am very honored to have a recruiter from our sister company over there at American Airlines join us, Ms. Jennifer Bloom. How are you and where are you
5: joining us from? Hi, thank you so much for having me on. As you said, my name is Jennifer and I am joining you all from Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, I typically work at the American Airlines Flight Training Academy. And I'm currently from home working.
0: Oh, excellent. Well, uh, Kyle has been gracious enough to invite all of you on and have the opportunity here to kind of talk about the cadet program. Uh, I get a lot of questions about this. And as Kyle mentioned, as being a mentor in the, the community, I also, and I know Rob and Roger have taken a lot of pride in being mentors ourselves. Uh, I've always said from the onset of this uh, podcast that I stand here before you all, uh, standing on the shoulders of all the aviators that came before me. Uh, They lifted me up, they led uh, me in the right direction, and I wanted to return the favor, and that's really what this podcast is all about. It talks about the journey of today's aviator and all the hurdles that we have to overcome. And especially this environment, um, and 2020 has become a literal battlefield uh, for this aviation community. So thank you all for joining us today. Well, let's start out with Travis. You're from Lincoln, Nebraska. Your grandfather was a World War II pilot, and you also were in the U.S. Air Force, right out of high school. What got you so interested in this journey? was it really your grandfather's inspiration or did it start somewhere else?
6: No, I mean, it started, it started back, uh, like when I was a child, um, you know, 10, 11 years old listening to, I think I even did a, in sixth grade, I did a huge, uh, like a, a report and, uh, um, like got in front of the whole school and and presented on, on my father or grandfather's success stories. And, As a B 47 B 29 pilot, you know, 22 year old veteran, uh, Lieutenant Colonel when he retired. And, um, it was, it was a little inspiration. I think that kind of got me in the bug of the, of the military. Um, uh, like I wrote in the, in the bio, I, I, you know, I I didn't, I don't think my head was in the right place in high school. And I I just kind of wanted to get out of Lincoln and, and join the air force. And I wanted to be around aviation of some sort. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life yet. So. Um, I was kind of mechanically inclined, and uh, took the aptitude test, and they threw me into uh, being a mechanic as an eight uh, on the eight tens, and so I did that for a few years, and that was a good time. I a lot. all right, so, yeah. crew
2: dog. There you I'm go, a crew dog too. I was a crew <laughs> dog on the Viper.
6: There you go. Um, yeah, and it was a good time. I enjoyed working on it, and and uh, I got a little homesick, I think. And uh, as I progressed through the Air Force, I I decided, hey, I'm ready for college. Um, I'm going to go home get out and uh head back to Lincoln, Nebraska and and uh, you know, I got my bachelor's and kind of lost sight of the uh the aviation bug for a little bit there. Kind of, you know, a little bit of engineering track. And then I got involved with the agriculture and and worked for a company for four or five years and got promoted a few times, had some success, but just never really felt at home with um with what I was doing. And um so I yeah uh, you know finally kind of kicked my own butt in the got got going with the uh, the aviation thing again around about 30 31 sold my house uh quit my job moved down to Dallas and somehow got hooked up with the uh the cadet program and here I am ever since and loving it every day so now,
0: yeah that's funny you say that somehow got yeah. hooked up <laughs> uh, so were you were first you started with a part 61 flight training and and i know yep. you you kind of mentioned to us that uh you know the kind of money ran out and so you were doing other things but then you moved to Dallas and mm-hmm. a friend of yours sent you a linkedin article how
6: did... Yeah it was it, it was uh it was so random so i was getting ready i was like actually getting ready to move down there and he sent me uh, i wanted to move down there because the 141 schools available in the dfw area mm-hmm. where there was more, and um, at the time in in Lincoln and Omaha, there wasn't any 141 schools. And I just I, I had talked to a few of my other pilot friends, and they said if you can try to get into one, you know, try to do it that way. It's it's a little bit better, and it sounded like it was a better fit for me personally, the, my learning style. Um, so he sent me a link, and I on LinkedIn, and it was the uh, it was the cadet program, and I I uh, looked into it, applied for it. Uh, naturally, I didn't hear anything right away. Um, and uh, no, no offense to you guys or anything, but you know, <laughs> they said that they said you guys were getting about you know five to seven thousand applicants in the beginning right away, so it was uh, quite to funnel through. But um, I kind, I so I worked a little bit of magic on the back end and went through the the back door of the, of the system and uh, actually kind of reached out to one of the schools that were partnering with the cadet program at the time and. Um, I kind of talked to one of the administrators and, and one of the recruiters there and uh, met with him for a few hours on a Saturday after I moved down to Dallas. And uh, they said, you know, we'd love to have you come through our school. We'd love you to do, if you were interested, I can get you a phone call. Sure enough, email invite the next day. So wow. the rest was kind of history. And and I learned very quickly. It's it's uh, sometimes it's, it's very much of who, you know, in this industry very quickly. So that helped me out. And uh, after I got my medical, I was able to get started within two weeks and started basically with 10 hours under my belt. Like I said, with the part 61 training that I did um, in August of 19 and completed my double eye in August of 2020.
0: Yeah. So And so you decided to move back to Nebraska, as you mentioned earlier, with the introduction and Kearney, mm-hmm. Nebraska, and you're now flying in cooperation with the university of Nebraska, and you've got a pretty busy flight schedule with your training. How's that working out for you?
6: Uh, so far, it's been uh, been pretty busy. Yeah, I, I got up here. I think I had about seven or eight students just waiting for me. They huh. were TSA approved and didn't have an instructor. Um, and they'd been you know, in the aviation bachelor's program here at University of Nebraska, Kearney, for about a year, I think these guys are, most of these guys are sophomores. Now that, I, now that I've uh, gotten, I've gotten around to being up here and, um, they, uh, they were basically waiting for me to get up here and start training them. So the first like month or two, I think I averaged about 80 hours a month, which is not too bad for starting out as a CFI. So, um, it's definitely slowing down a little bit. Winter's kicking in the, uh, the uh, holidays are kicking in. Everybody's kind of, uh, going back to their home countries for a few weeks while, while it's winter break, but. Uh, yeah, it's been pretty good so far.
0: Oh, excellent. Mm-hmm. And you know, also joining us today is another cadet, uh Will. Uh thank you for joining us. You know, you uh started out in a uh, kind of a similar manner that you you wanted to get into aviation. What did your background give you to say, "Hey, I want to be a pilot." Was was it something that started at a very young age or did you have you know, inspiration from a family member? How did that all come about?
4: Sure. So I'm actually from a long legacy of uh, pilots. My dad was a F-18 pilot in the Marines and his dad was a P-3 pilot in the Navy and his sister was a P-3 pilot in the Navy as well. So I was, I always grew up around it. I was always near jets. I moved around, moved around a lot in the military. So I never really thought much about it. I just knew, you know, it's, that's, that was the life I lived because I just followed my da- dad around when he moved in the military. And then after he got out and he went to go work for Legacy Airline, I wasn't really around much airplanes anymore, other than all the pictures around the house and all the models he had. But I went to college, pursued a degree in business. And right. it wasn't, it was something that I thought I wanted to do. I wanted to make money. That was what was in my head. I was like, businesses. How everyone ends up making money. So I did that, didn't fly at all, and got a, a job with the pharmaceutical company down here in Charleston and found out that I really didn't like what I was doing. I was working in a, in a cube. not in a cubicle, but an office with no windows and fluorescent white lights, and it really wasn't my style. So I decided to start taking lessons at a Part 61 school while working full-time, and was able to finish up in a little over three months while working full time, you know, wow. flying at night or flying on the weekends, um, trying to get minimum time just so I can be done. Yeah. And in that meantime, I had applied to this Legacy Cadet Academy. And after I'd put in, you know, they, there's, a, there's a page where it says, how what's your flight experience? So I started updating that as I Got more and more flight time and then got an email back to um, have a video interview. And that's kind of how it all came about.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, from a legacy of pilots, you, you kind of are following suit of your family's, you know, experience. And did they help you out by giving you any advice uh, early on in your training?
4: Uh, I, I think my dad, my dad obviously tried to give me as much advice as he could, um, but he was more. He didn't really know the civilian side of how to come up through the ranks uh to become a commercial pilot. So it was more I knew someone in college who ended up doing a part 141 school. So I was in contact with him, saw what he did, if he had any advice. And then my dad would give me advice on how to fly, um, some of the some of the things he had learned while he was he was a pilot or he still is a pilot, but it was a lot of just Trial and error, and kind of on my own, because civilian and military side of flying is two different two different avenues.
0: Yeah, very true. And and really, again, another reason why this podcast is so dear to me is that when I was coming through through a civilian side, I also did a Part sixty one school uh, for my private, and then I got into a Part one forty one for everything else. And I really I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know the scope of what was involved and what to expect. All I knew was what my fellow students and fellow general aviation uh, pilots were telling me. And, you know, my instructors, they were what, six months ahead of me that they were teaching me how to fly. So I really didn't get a, the big global assessment of what was going on in the industry and what to expect. And so to have an organization or program set in place that gives you the tools to be prepared, to make the best decisions is absolutely crucial. And this is why the cadet program is such a sought out or sought after thing in this industry. So, you know, thank you for sharing that with us. Wow. Now, your CFI, okay. I just had a conversation on the flight deck with my captain uh, last night. We were talking about how excited I was about doing the show today. And, and I was asking him a couple questions. You know, that's what I do. Along, there is no downtime when you're flying with me. When we're uh, cruising along for, you know, an hour, two hours, four hours, whatever it is, I'm going to, yeah, <laughs> get me to shut up. Good luck. And, and I asked him, what was your hardest uh, part of your training? and you're general aviation. He goes, oh, for sure, my CFI check ride. He said it was a four and a half hour oral. And because the FAA guy that was there to do my check ride had nothing to do that day and he didn't want to go back to the office. So he goes, it was a four and a half hour oral. And he asked me everything under the sun. I passed, it was fine. And then it was another two and a half hours in the airplane. I was like, oh my God, that's a long day. He's like, it was the hardest thing I've ever done to date. And he was a military pilot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> flown combat missions, <laughs> and I'm like, you're kidding me. <laughs> He's like, nope. <laughs> so, how did your CFI check ride go? Was it uh, the same?
4: Yeah, it was. It was pretty long. It was the oral was. Oh, I woke up at 5:30 in the morning and didn't get much sleep. I, I actually felt sick because it was on a Friday, and the whole the whole week I'd been stressing because I I was going to drive home the next day. And I was leaving the school because I would be done, so I really needed to pass the check ride. So I got there at six thirty. My DPE got there at seven. Um, went on to about twelve, so about a five-hour oral, and then had two hours in the flight. And by by the time everything was said and done, it was about two thirty in the afternoon. So it was a pretty long day.
0: Now, what's the best advice you can give anyone out there that's getting ready for their CFI check ride?
4: I would say that. Definitely make your own lesson plans because you can buy some online. But everyone has their own way of of teaching, and when you don't construct your own lesson plan, then you're having to kind of you have to understand the way they put it together so that you can have a smooth flow through. So if you create it yourself, you know exactly what you're putting in there. You're knowing the different segments of that lesson, so you're not going to stumble over um, anything. You're not going to forget anything. Um, and I would also say, you know. Get your all your other people that are in the same, um, at the same level as you on your training and study and study with them, talk about aviation with them, uh, soak it all in. And by the time you got your check ride, you'll know if you're ready or not. Yeah. So, um, just if, if you study hard enough and this is what you love to do, then it's, I thought it wasn't terribly difficult. It was just a lot of studying. So, yes. it, was, it was definitely a lot of studying
0: and, and just keep that. In the back of your mind, because when you get hired on at a regional, yeah, drinking from the fire hose, right? Right, Rob? Yep. Yeah, same thing. You
2: you do a lot of uh, buddy study stuff. You know, you get in groups and you bounce questions off each other because, like you said, you may understand something one way and the other guy doesn't. And the way you explain it is different than what the instructor did. But, you know,
0: now, now they connect and, oh, okay, it makes sense.
4: Right. Exactly.
0: Right. And we all have, you know, our different ways of learning. You know, some of us are tactile, visual. Uh, some of us, will, you know, stick our nose in the book. And at the end of it, you know, it's like you're good. You're an expert. Um, so it just depends on your learning style and definitely is very helpful to to do all the things, like you said, is to have your own lesson plans, uh, study with others and try to approach everything until you have a total comprehensive understanding from different angles because it'll help I you i think
4: i think we as pilots are also very competitive people when we're with each other and we oh. see that our other person <laughs> we're with i completed their cfi or completed their training without having you know messed up a check ride yeah then you're like okay well you know i i know i'm just as good of a Of a pilot as he is. So I need to pass his check right first time around. And um, so it's a lot of that competition that goes in there as well.
0: Yeah. Well, 20 years in, instead of saying that, you're going to be wearing t shirts on your layovers that say the world's most okayest pilot and proud of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got to say, thank you for sharing that. And I want to welcome to the podcast from the American Airlines Cadet Program. She is a recruiter and she works in the recruiting and development office at American Airlines. Please help us in welcoming to the show, Jennifer Bloom. Jennifer, how are you doing today?
5: Hi, I'm really good, how are you? Doing great.
0: What can you tell me about how you came into this position, and is this something that you just love to be a part of, or is there something more to the story here?
5: Okay, so I have a little bit complicated story for you. Similar to Will, I come from an aviation family. So my dad is a captain at a legacy airline, and my brother is a captain at a regional airline. Um, I attended the University of Notre Dame, and I studied uh, finance and Chinese there. I was a double major, and I thought I wanted to do international business, similar to Will. (laughs) So um, after I graduated from Notre Dame, I uh, went into the finance field, and I found that I did not enjoy it. And my whole life, you know, I'd seen my dad being a pilot and I thought it was so cool and amazing, but I honestly didn't think I could do it as a female. Like I'd never seen a female pilot in my life. And I was talking to my dad about it when I was working in finance. I told him I wasn't enjoying it. And he said, I think you would be a great pilot. I really think you would enjoy it. I was um, a D1 athlete in college. He's like, you have hand eye coordination. You can do this. And I didn't really believe him until I saw my brother um, start at the regional airline. And he was two years older than me, so he was just starting at the regional, and I saw what he was doing, and I was like, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> so that's when I decided to go to flight school, and I got my flight ratings up through my MEI, and I became a flight instructor, and then I ended up being a manager at our flight school as well. So um, I was building up my flight hours. I have about 850, 900 hours. And then this is where the story gets complicated. Um, long story short, I ended up losing my medical completely random. Um, you know, I was doing perfectly fine and then lost my medical. So, um, to Travis is a little bit of who, you know, when that happened, um, my dad was, you know, helping me through it and was saying, okay, if you could do anything right now, what, what would you do? Because there is hope that I will get my medical back in a few years. So fingers crossed, uh, <laughs> End goal, I want to be a captain for American one day. So, um, my dad said, What would you like to do? And I said, I would love to re- be a recruiter because, you know, I know the industry. I would love to help more females get into the industry. And, you know, just because I didn't think it was possible, I want to let them know it's possible. And so I said, I wanted to be a recruiter for the Cadet Academy, just like first thing that came to my mind. And it happened that they had a position open for that at the very time when this whole thing happened. And my dad was able to send my resume to one of his friends who knew somebody that was in the department. You know, it was like a weird connection, but it ended up working out. So I feel very lucky to be here. And I am so happy to share this amazing program that American has to offer to um, people that are interested in innovation.
0: And thank you so much for for agreeing to be here today. Um, I have been hoping to have a recruiter. Come on the podcast now for a while. Kyle has known this, and you know he made it all happen. So hats off to Kyle as well. Thank you so much. And I'm I'm sorry to hear about your medical. Um, and I have my fingers crossed, and I'm sure our listeners will too uh, for you to get your medical back. Um, once that happens, I'm very confident that uh, whatever you're going through, it's it's going to work out because it's funny how in this industry we pull together, uh, and and everyone really wants to do everything they can to help a fellow aviator out and help them maintain their wings. So I'm sure with the background and the family that you have, uh, that that it'll work out. And please keep us updated because we'd like to, to hear more about your journey, uh, especially once you get back to yeah. the controls of an aircraft.
5: Of course.
0: Yes. Well, thank you for being here. And what I wanted to ask you, uh, first and foremost, is... This cadet program, the, the gold seal of the great opportunity to have an avenue to get onto a mainline carrier in the future for a student pilot or a pilot going through training. So, what is the best way a pilot can go after and apply for a cadet program?
5: Okay, so um, how you would apply for the American Airlines Cadet Academy, the best way is to go through our website at um, www.aacadet cadetacademy.com and there you will start your application and you just need to be prepared to answer some short questions like um, what qualities make you unique? How will the American Airlines Cadet Academy help you achieve your goal of becoming a pilot? And um, I would say definitely do your research on the Cadet Academy. We have a whole website with a ton of research And just make sure that our program aligns with your goals. And then if so, highlight why does the Cadet Academy, um, you know, how will that help you achieve your goals? So go ahead and start your application there. And um, when you do your application, one thing that's very important. So the number one thing we look for in these applications is passion for aviation. Okay, so we don't want this to just be an afterthought. We want this to be something that you are very passionate about. So if you can do anything to show your passion for aviation, whether that's um, if you've gone on a discovery flight or maybe you volunteer at an aviation museum or something like that, just make sure you highlight your passion for aviation. And then also um, something that sets your application apart is if you include any reference letters or your transcripts and resume. Those are all very important um, pieces of information that will help make your application stand out for us.
0: Yeah, Absolutely great advice to have a way to, to really express your passion, because everyone in aviation that has earned their wings, and I use the word earned very specifically, is that they get there because of a passion, because if you want to be a pilot because of the thrill of the polyester uniform or the the potential income you could one day retire making it's the wrong reason because the sacrifice that today's aviator has to be willing to give up in order to do this job is tremendous and so passion is absolutely what is the foundation to a successful career so what would you say is the biggest mistake someone applying to this program makes
5: as i mentioned before if it just seems like an afterthought that is not something we're going to be interested in um if you just are saying oh yeah i want to do this because my parents want me to do it or also having your parents be too involved in the application process so um we -hmm. do suggest that you have somebody read over your application to make sure your grammatical Uh, sentences and everything, everything looks good. So grammar is very important. Um, You want to make sure that this is professional, not just like you sent a text message. Um, So definitely have your parents look over it if you would like to, but don't have them too involved in the process. So we do not want your parents walking through our door asking about your application or calling us or emailing us because then that seems like they are the ones forcing you to do it and it's not your choice. Yeah. So, so if your
0: mom and dad are, or mom or father, or <laughs> mother or father, uh, are working for American Airlines, don't walk into the academy and say, "Hey, uh, my son's application was put in a few weeks ago. What's going on? I haven't heard anything yet." Exactly. So that's exactly. a that's a that's a strike. So so yeah. So but none of that.
5: that. Being said, we would love to hear from you if you have a question. Right? You can reach out specifically whoever's application it is. Please reach out to us, and we would love to. Um, give you an update on where we're at or um, if we process your application or anything like that, we will definitely answer to you directly. But I would say do not have your parents try and fight your battles for you because you definitely need to be um, dedicated and mature and hardworking in order to make it through this program. And so we want to make sure that um, you're showing us that from the very beginning. And what
0: does a cadet program offer? I mean, you look at it and you go, well, if I go through and just do my general aviation flight time or whatever, I have intention to do and then submit an application in off the street. What's the difference between me doing that and trying to apply for and receive the Cadet Academy program
5: benefits? Yes. So, um, the Cadet Academy has many benefits and I can say for myself, I actually did not go through the Cadet Academy because it was not up and running when I went through my flight training Um, I missed it by one year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So whenever I started working here, I was like, I wish I could have done this. It is really an amazing pathway and an amazing opportunity that American has created to build up the pipeline for pilots, because as we know, um, we do have a lot of pilots that will be retiring in the next, you know, couple years moving forward. Mm -hmm. So uh, we will need, you know, a supply of pilots even past this pandemic. And so this Cadet Academy is incredible. It is um, a program that is meant to build a clear pipeline from zero flight time, all the way to becoming a pilot at American Airlines. So that is something that is really incredible about this program. It's a fast track program, which is also great. Um, We see our cadets get their ratings in less than 18 months, but usually less than a year. So that is pretty fast track to go from zero all the way through your flight instructor ratings. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, while you're going through the program is you will have an American Airlines pilot mentor. as uh, we know, um, some people have podcast here, and our mentors are amazing, and it's so nice to have a mentor um, while you're going through this. if you don't have somebody in your family that is already a pilot. So you have somebody you can go to for advice and support. Whenever um, you need it throughout your training, because they've been through this before as well. So we have our pilot mentor. Uh, we do have financing options for our cadets, and also one amazing thing is our cadets benefit from um, a guaranteed interview at all three of American Airlines wholly owned, wholly owned oh, regionals. Oh. So our cadets benefit from an interview, a guaranteed interview, with PSA in Piedmont, and from there. Which Holy Own you would like to go to, and you're actually not even obligated to go to one of the American Airlines Holy Owns. But that is a pathway that is built out because if you do go to one of the Holy Owns, you will benefit from what we call the flow. So I'm sure many of you have heard about the flow to American, um, but that is one big benefit that after you get the job at one of our three Holy Owns, you are um, essentially guaranteed a job with American whenever the flow does occur. Yeah. And you're
0: at the top. So. And, and that's it really that industry awesome. leading um, that the American Airlines has offered that flow through agreement uh, at our airline, Rob and I at Legacy Airlines and Kyle as well. Uh, we have a similar agreement very similar, in fact, and uh, the Legacy Airlines cadet program is a lot like the American Airlines cadet program. That's a really nice coincidence there. Uh, What are the biggest challenges that you think cadets or people that are trying to become a cadet face today in our current climate?
5: Um, So specifically today, uh, dealing with the pandemic is one thing I believe is scaring some people away that are not, um, you know, really closely tied to the industry already. Because right now, everybody is seeing, you know, furloughs and things like that, which you know, hopefully, this with this bill passing, we're going to be able to call those pilots back, which is amazing. Um, but I know that right now could be an intimidating time to start going through this program. But one thing that you want to consider is um, it does take the training timeline from going from zero flight time to going to an airline is pretty long. Um, so I would say a safe bet is three years, and usually a bit more than that. If you get your ratings in one year and build up your 1,500 hours in two years, um, you're looking at about three years from when you start till when you go to the airline. So if you're considering being a pilot right now or you're hesitant because you just started uh, training for your flight ratings, I want to assure you that this is a good time because although right now we don't have a huge demand for pilots, um, by the time you're through your training, I would bet money that we will be um, on the back end of this and needing pilots again said, you know, before uh, the pandemic, there was a pilot shortage. And the fact of the matter is, we still have pilots retiring, turning 65 and retiring every day. And there will be more and more coming. So we will need pilots um, on the back end of this. So I think that's one of the biggest factors is people tend to join um, and to start their career.
2: Just to get an idea, how do you know how many pilots are f- forecasted to retire in the next year or two does anybody have that those figures
3: well with the uh most of them with the permanent leave LOA uh took it out through uh beginning of next year Uh, uh projected next year was about uh around 800 so probably half of that depending on uh the the permanent leave LOA and then uh after I believe at twenty, uh, starting twenty two, uh, we go up to around nine hundred to thousand a year mandatory retirements for the wow. next uh, yeah. five to six years, and yeah. then it tapers off a little bit, but it's still around seven eight hundred a year uh, for yeah. another ten years after that. Yeah. So.
2: And I know that our our train uh, the training department can only handle about that much. Too, So, I mean, that just gives you an idea of, you know, how <laughs> critical this whole thing is as far as pilots, pilot supply and pilot shortages. Yeah, So that Cadet Academy is crucial.
0: Yeah, AOPA.org uh, put out an article towards the end of uh, 2019. So it's about a year old, but uh, Smith Research indicates that a tad over 2,000 professional airline pilots will retire in 2020, and the trend increases over the next five years after that until it peaks at over 3,100 pilots annually reaching the mandatory retirement age of 65. The attrition numbers remain high through at least the year 2034. Man, we got 14 more years or 13 and a half more years to go. And And i like
3: to point out, Tony, that those numbers that AOPA put out Those were uh, U.S. airline numbers. Yes. The fact of the international carriers, uh, depending on where you want to live, and most of the uh, Chinese airlines, a lot of the foreign airlines, uh, Mm -hmm. strictly hire American uh, pilots, uh, American citizen pilots, and uh, European pilots, so... Uh, and they have a very similar um, a mandatory retirement as well uh, with the IKO. Everybody's uh, six, uh, 65 now. Um, so it's a great, great time to be a pilot, great time to get into the business. And um, uh, uh, fortunately, the uh, uh, Legacy uh, Sister uh, Cadet Program uh, gives that opportunity for, uh, to those people that are interested in doing it.
0: Yeah. If you even have an idea that this is a career path you want to follow, if you're hesitating, I, I don't think anybody here would disagree with me that don't. Um, the the retirement age, you can look at Boeing puts out stats uh, every quarter. Uh, it's a great source uh, for the international numbers. Uh, globally, uh, they're pilot retirements are going to be astronomical. So even though we got this speed bump in the road in our careers uh, that is going to be 2020, uh, it's a good time to get started because timing is everything. We've talked about this ad nauseum with this podcast before. I was very fortunate. uh, I got hired. I was the first class after 9-11 to get hired at what we call Sandpiper Regional here at the show, uh, the alias to the regional airline that I used to fly for. And we, for the first time, had more than 10 people in the classroom. We actually had to borrow chairs from other classrooms. We had 40 new hires in that class at the regional. Um, it, It was great because it was at the beginning of the hiring boom. I timed it wonderfully, and I can take absolutely zero credit for that. It was just happenstance um pure I, luck i yeah. sat on reserve for what a month and then i was holding a line and after about six months i was holding a commutable line mm-hmm. and then when it came time to upgrade uh when i got hired i think rob and i talked about this a few episodes ago it was something like a 12-year upgrade to captain at a regional airline yeah. so very like low turboprop. Yeah. yeah and and i upgraded relatively quickly and about and less than six years. I think it was five and a half years. And I upgraded, Rob, I think you upgraded. Same thing. Same. Yeah. Five and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. And then didn't sit very long on reserve as a captain because another cyclical uptick was happening in the industry. And then here I am at a legacy airline, the tip of the pyramid in my career. I mean, I'm done Uh, as long as I can keep my medical going and I don't do something stupid and I keep a good attitude and I continue to share my experiences and and do everything to the best of my ability and not get fired. (laughs) So uh, you'll never hear me say, hold my beer, watch this in the flight deck, but there are those that try that, you know? Uh, But as long as I keep, you know, my nose clean and everything up and up, I'm going to have at least another 20 years left in my career. And, you know, Kyle, you sat next to me in ground school, day one of Indoc at uh, Legacy Airlines, and when we found out that there was a a, a spot on the website uh, to find out what seniority number you were going to be when you retired, <laughs> and we're all happy with like, oh, I'm number 600 yeah. or 300 or whatever. How many again, times did we visit that
2: website while we're sitting yeah. there in Indoc? And Kyle, <laughs> Three I or looked four over, times, like, and Kyle, what true? did your thing say? What?
3: Well, I, I had to show you guys to make sure I was looking at the right thing. And uh, it said number three.
0: What? Kyle will be number three. He'll be a Boeing 797 captain or whatever. <laughs> I want to be. Oh, my
2: God. He'll be flying the SpaceX capsule as captain.
0: <laughs> I, I'll do the
3: SpaceX Domestic <laughs> line only. Okay? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh,
0: does the moon? Does the moon count as domestic? <laughs> well, that's awesome. You know, that's incredible. That, to to Jennifer's point, um, it really isn't a, a great time to get in. Don't let what's happening in the world discourage uh, your path and your journey. Um, just if you have the passion, it sounds like, and you can uh, put that on paper uh, and and be your own person. And, you know, uh, show us that you're a, a responsible adult and you're, this is what you want to do. It sounds like that's really the most important prerequisite of all. Is that right?
5: I would definitely agree with that.
0: Yeah. How many applications do you see in a
2: day?
5: So, um, right now, <laughs> over, overall, right now we have 18,000 applications. Um, and what? we have... 1000 interviews completed. So we have oh about 17,000 we can still look at right now. Um, but with that being said, no, none of our applications get rejected. They just get um, rack and stack, you know, like we regroup and pull the top ones to the top and interview those. What? So, um, yeah.
2: Okay. So how do you make it to the top then?
5: Okay. So as I Got talked it. about yeah. kind of food, um, in your application, But another thing to really think about, so we, this program is meant to um, take people right out of high school. So really the only two requirements are you need to be 18 years old and have graduated from high school. So you do not need a college degree to go through this program. And um, if we do have high schoolers apply, one thing we really want to see is um, leadership, you know, shown in any way, shape, or form. If that's either teams or in the band or um, any organizations like student council, things like that. Also leadership in any uh, way, if you have been in college. So we do take people from all walks of life. Um, you know, there's no limit, or once you're 18, you can be any age from there. Sure. Um, yeah. So we do have people that have gone to college like Will and then join as well. Um, but yeah, anything you can do really to set yourself apart. So any leadership also, if you take like, if you're in high school, you take AP classes or anything like that. Um, just whatever you can do to make yourself more competitive.
3: Wonderful. Where, uh, how many flight uh, schools do we have now, uh, Jennifer? Um, I get asked this question a lot. Um, are there multiple flight schools around the, the United States uh, that we're currently using? Are we adding any more uh, in particular areas? Um,
5: so- we currently have three flight schools total that we're partnered with, but we have a couple locations um, within those three partner schools. So right now we are partnered with um, Coast Flight and CAE and CTI. So those are our partners right now. Um, moving forward into 2021, we do not have all of our partnerships um, finalized yet. We do expect you know, that we will keep our core flight schools moving into 2021, but that does not mean that, um, you know, we will not grow as well.
0: Excellent. And, and Travis, (laughs) you know, you've gone through the program. You're actually now building your flight time into, uh, enough to get on with a regional. Have you decided on a particular regional that you'd like to start applying to when the time comes?
6: Uh, no, I've, I've not gotten much thought of that. Actually. I was, uh, I was just excited to find employment to be honest with you. <laughs> I hate to say it. I don't mean to be the negative Nancy here, but, uh, um, I was just happy to find employment. So I'm kind of taking it one step at a time. I did go into this, uh, you know, like I mentioned, I sold my house, I quit my job and moved across the country. That was me personally. And I came into the mindset that I'm going to go where the wind takes me. And I'm, I'm speaking like literally, like, so if I, if I can find a job in whatever city, that's what I'm going to do. Um, because I'm, I've basically poured my heart and soul into this. And, uh, I honestly didn't choose to come back to Carnegie, Nebraska. Like I, I was applying for everything in the South that I possibly could find. And I couldn't, I wasn't hearing a whole lot back right now. Um, luckily the, the networking that I, that, uh, the cadet program offers, um, that's pretty much the only reason why I am employed up here at, uh, in Kearney. So I was able to find something, uh, kind of dug a little bit deeper and, and leaned on the, uh, the ladies over there. Um, Maria helped me out a lot. And, um, uh, got, got me hooked up with the kind of working for now. And, uh, but what's regional, I, I, I have not thought it at all. Yeah.
2: So. so I got a question that you kind of brought up something there that I'm curious about. And so this question is actually for Jennifer. Um, Travis mentioned using some of the connections. Um, So does the uh, program um, offer that kind of stuff to the cadets, kind of like a CFI job placement kind of thing?
5: Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. So um, as you can imagine, having um, connections with American Airlines and having American Airlines, you know, in your title of um, what you're going through is a really big benefit. Um, We do have a whole entire team devoted at American Airlines to the Cadet Academy. So um, with that being said, we have one specific person that is devoted to cadet development. And he mentioned Maria. Um, So she Uh does watch our cadets throughout the whole entire um, program and helps them with any questions they may have throughout the program, she is always available to them. You know, text, call, night, day, anything. Um, Once they do have their flight ratings and they're ready to move on to instructing positions, um, she keeps in touch with them at all times to make sure they have a job. And if they don't, she is searching every single day for a job for them. And she will even go so far as to write recommendation letters for our cadets as well because while they're going through the program, she gets to know them well enough that she can, you know, write a whole letter speaking to their character at that point. Damn. So, yeah. it's also one huge benefit.
2: Tony, where was this when we were looking for a job? You know right? what I mean?
5: This I is amazing.
2: I mean, we literally had to do this on our own. I mean, I, I, I mean, I helped Tony. Tony helped other people. Roger. <laughs> Um, you know, and I got help from other people, but it was all like word of mouth for me. I mean, yeah. going on, so uh, you know, websites and getting gouges on airlines interviews yeah. and all that stuff, the questions yeah. that they're going to ask you. And, oh, man, this is so
0: revolutionary. It's and awesome. Yeah. Now I know why you have you know, thousands upon thousands of applications on your desk is yeah. because, right. this, I mean – This program is a gift for us, really.
5: (laughs) Yeah. And with that, going off of that really quickly about the jobs. um, So I did say we have three partner schools and within those schools, we have multiple locations. So we have about six locations um, total because, you know, each school has a couple locations and we do see that our cadets, when they go through their flight training, the schools really do, you know, like them and appreciate them. And they're generally very happy with them. So um, it is very common that after our cadets get through their training, um, the schools do try and do whatever they can um, to give them a CFI position where they are. So obviously that's not always feasible depending on timing like uh, right now. <laughs> I know that some cadets are not being placed where they are because there's, you know, there's issues with the pandemic, but yeah. Yeah. in general, they do like to keep our cadets um, in order to teach more students. And we have seen at some of our schools, we, ha- we call cadets teaching cadets. So we have people that have gone through the program and graduated. They're now the flight instructors and they're teaching other um, American Airlines cadets, which we love to see that too.
0: Oh, that's great. Cool. And William, what have been some of the biggest challenges for you being in the program that you wish you had a had better grasp on?
4: Um. I think that the pandemic was probably the biggest, the biggest thing because now you know if someone catches COVID at your school, everyone needs to get tested. So you have the a lot of stop and go, and when you get in a rhythm of flying, um, then it, it it can progress a lot faster. And you, when you have all those stop and goes, they can definitely affect the way your training goes. But at the end of the day, if you really you know take uh, take hold of your own. Uh, pilot training then it can still go very quickly and it went fairly quickly for myself Um, but I think I think that I was blessed to have like a ton of people there to help me so I didn't really have any issues going through but there are you you can get kind of lost in the process depending on your your personality I I would definitely recommend everyone who's going through it to you know, be in charge of their own flight training because when you're time building, no one, there's not a flight instructor like behind you saying, Hey, like, let's go do our, you know, instrument approaches or whatever that we need to get done today. It's like up to you to build those hours and you need to get the 60 hours and, you know, you can do it in three months or you can do it in, in, in six weeks. So it's, it's up to how you get it done yeah. and your motivation.
0: And do you have an idea yeah. of which regional you like to pursue?
4: Um, there, there, there are two because I would like to go to, to Charlotte, Charlotte which isn't too far away from Charleston um, so either PSA or Piedmont would be the two I'm looking at
0: okay excellent and okay. gentlemen uh, this question is for the both of you uh, what is your hazardous attitude <laughs> <laughs> Travis let's put you on the spot first what do you think oh man
6: that's a, that's a good question, I guess. Uh, um, I don't
2: know. He's a crew dog. I bet you it's, Hey, I bet you can't do this.
6: <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not a hold my beer type of guy. I'm, I'm, oh, okay. I'm pretty, I'm pretty safe to the, to the rules. I'm uh, kind of timid with some of that stuff at least. Um, I think I, I think I like me personally, I I might I might find myself, uh, being guilty of, uh, getting wrapped up in the, in the gotta get, gotta get time. I gotta get, I'm here to build time. And I got I gotta rush through it. And I don't know if that's really a one specific one, but I'm like, I'm here and I, I, I experienced it the first month I was here and I almost got burned out already. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was just flying, you know, three, four lessons a day. Cause you know, I'd been, sitting without a job since March and since the shutdown and I wanted to get rolling on this. And, uh, I, so I, I will recommend that like, yeah, we're here to build time, but remember that the reason why I came here is to enjoy it. And so I I actually already realized that I need to take a step back and just, you know, kind of take it as it comes. Um, take my breaks and take my vacations and, and just kind of relax at it too.
0: So, so maybe a little of uh, impulsivity to get that flight yeah, time. I would, I would, I would say
6: that's probably the one that fits the best.
2: Yeah. We've all had that, you know. Yeah, we're all guilty of that.
0: Kind of still do. <laughs> <laughs> kind of still do. <laughs> yeah. And Will, what about you?
4: Yeah, I'd have to agree. It'd have to be impulsivity. Like none of them are desirable traits, but if you had to pick from one of them, it would probably be impulsivity.
0: Jennifer as a pilot. What is your hazardous attitude?
5: <laughs> um, honestly, I'm not sure. I would say, um, I don't know if this is, this is not a hazardous attitude, but for me, when I was flight instructing and building time, I err on the side of being too cautious, which it's obviously good to be cautious to be safe. But I'm also, I think I take it to a next level. <laughs> so uh, sometimes, you know, I would see there's a storm coming, but, you know, is it going to come over towards us or not? it's kind of far away. I'm not sure if I should go. And then I wouldn't go because rather be safe than sorry. So I've been, um, you know, told my whole entire life about scary aviation stories and whatnot with my brother and dad. And my brother had, you know, a story where he got stuck somewhere because of weather and all that. So I've, you know, had it beaten into my head that you gotta be really cautious. So I would say I could be overly cautious at sometimes.
0: So really the, the opposite of invulnerability. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that, could, that could potentially be a little little hazardous if you're uh, yeah. spending a lot of time thinking about not taking action or, or afraid to take action. So, yeah,
5: for yeah. sure. And for building that flight time, you know, it comes really slow when you're afraid. So. Yeah, Well, better afraid safe than lying. sorry,
0: Is because as the old uh, saying says, better to be on the ground wishing you were in the air than the other way around.
5: And see, I've heard that my whole life, so it's, it's drilled into me.
0: Yeah, and Kyle... You're not off the hook. What's your hazardous attitude? Man, I don't really have one anymore.
3: I've kind of I've kind of slowed down, take what I can get, how I can get it, and you know, uh, I guess once you reach a certain point, you're just like, yeah. You know what? Well, we can just go back to the hotel or you know what? We well, get paid by the now, maybe so. that's a
0: little bit of resignation. Well, what's the use? They're gonna make us go fly anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a
0: little bit of that, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And what about Rob?
2: Sorry, I had some audio difficulties. I didn't get the question. What's your hazardous attitude, oh. sir? Oh yeah, we're still on that one. <laughs> <laughs> trying to avoid it.
0: <laughs> trying to avoid
2: it. I'll be right back. Yeah. Right back. Um. Let's see. Um, I would agree definitely with, um, everybody else on the flight time thing, um, get, get the job done. I'm always about, you know, Hey, we can evaluate the, uh, the level of, um, risk versus reward and, you know, let's just power through it and get it done. I think that's my biggest fault. Um, it's always trying to, uh, just make it happen no matter what the scenario is and, um, I realize in aviation you you really have to um you know view it like jennifer is is step back and and you know you gotta be safe you know you, if it's there's a slight chance of something going wrong you need to know that you know that's probably one of the uh um you have to take that into consideration and and all the other things and and um you know choose the safest course of action and you know it, it's hard for me me to make those kind of decisions. Cause I always, like I said, I just want to do it and get it done and, you yeah. know, take the chance. But, um, I've, I've learned to <laughs> definitely scale back that and be on the ground and talk about it later rather than <laughs> being up there going, Oh crap, I yeah. did, I
0: chose wrong. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Uh, I, I think that would yeah. fall under macho maybe. Um, like yeah. I can do it, you know? Um, yeah. and that I think, uh from a perspective from let's say the FOQA program, uh where the flight quality assurance people that have called me in the past is like, well, we see that you were slightly you were I, I got called one time. You were two yeah. knots fast from our window on short final. Yeah. Unstabilized approach criteria dictates that you perform a go around. Can you please tell me yeah. why you landed? And, and it, you were the one flying, so that's why I'm calling yeah. you not the captain. And you're like, I'm probably oh, guil- oh uh, sorry. Oh uh-huh. that's like, oh, um, well, I knew I could do it. Macho. Yeah. yeah. We're all guilty was, of that, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, I'm, I'm another thing you just you just made me remember. I'm really a stickler for following the the book to the T. You know, percentages, numbers, just you know, if it's in the book <laughs> and I know about it. Uh, I'm gonna be like, oh, nope, can't do it, or we gotta watch this, or we gotta make sure we're here. And you know, that's obviously for good. You know, the book's there for a reason and for good. And a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that's in there was written in blood for, so stuff we should yeah. follow. But you know, there's also, you know, very, you know, hey, you can't eat the same meal. <laughs> Come on, that's all they gave us, you know.
0: <laughs> so we're gonna eat it anyway. Yeah, you I know, think they that, removed they're like removing that. that, or they remove that from, because I was yeah. looking for that reg and I couldn't find it.
5: Yeah, yeah, that's not there anymore, I don't think. Good. Yeah,
0: perfect. <laughs> I yeah, some
5: research on that actually. as like a fun fact trivia thing. Cool. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: there you go. and I've had a captain. Uh, we were on a uh, sit in, uh, where was it? It was Cincinnati. We were on a sit. We, so we go outside of security. We go to the restaurant. We sit down, and he's like, oh, yeah, this is nice. Uh, let's grab a meal. Do you know what you want? Yeah, okay. So I ordered. And I ordered whatever I ordered, I don't know, like a, a chef's salad or whatever it was, a chicken Chinese chicken salad maybe. And he goes, Oh, well, I was gonna get that. Now I gotta pick something else. And I was like, Oh, I, I I'm sorry. What why? He's like, Well, because there's a reg F-A-R 121.11 and whatever he, <laughs> he spit it all out. He's like, We can't have the same meal prepared by the same but I'm like I remember reading that when I was going through private... Is that a thing? And I think maybe it was still a thing, but now it's not a thing. Because if so, the company would be violating that with our, you know, two of everything in the cockpit for a crew yeah, meal. cheese yeah. and grapes. <laughs> Everybody gets the same <laughs> cheese tray. and.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, hey, hey. Was it the
0: turkey, arugula I don't eat sandwich? those anymore. I've, oh, I, Yeah, no. Re- that, I don't Re- want to say anything bad, but yeah, I don't eat those. These guys are looking at us like... <laughs> Really? You get meals? <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> well, final a few questions as we start to wrap it up here. Um, and thank you so much for, for bearing with us uh, through all of this. And, and this is for our cadets here, uh, Travis and Will. Let's, let's talk about what you think has been the best advice you have received so far.
3: I'll give you guys a hint. Uh, your men your
2: mentor
0: he's standing right there (laughs) (laughs) the two of them
2: standing right there
4: (laughs) i would would say it makes it a lot easier when you have a mentor like kyle who can help you through the process and uh, i mean you can go to him if you have a question for anything but uh don't go through this process alone because you you grow up thinking that being a pilot is this far out idea and only these super smart, skilled people can do it. When in reality, it's really not that difficult if you have a passion for it and you love it. You can, you can, you can do it. So, get get someone like Kyle or someone you know that can uh, give you the advice uh, to make the the process go a lot smoother. So, that's what I would say.
0: Yeah. Don't think you have to do it alone. Very, very sage advice. And Travis. Well said. Uh,
6: yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to agree with that. I don't have anything original here to say, cause, um, uh, I don't think that I would be here without the support, uh, especially through the cadet program. Um, and, and that's, that's, uh, that's truth right there. Kyle, uh, like he said, uh, him and I have met a few times over in, in uh, grapevine getting some barbecue and just talking to him for an hour, picking his brain. Um, I got a couple friends that live in in Dallas still that that I talk to on a regular basis. They're they're pilots at a at a, a competitor of your guys's and um you know picking their brains and and like I said, I leaned on the 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 people over there in the training department. Um I I honestly I w- I would I would be a sitting duck. I don't even know what I'd be doing right now. Probably, you know, fueling planes or something because I don't know what honestly, I honestly don't know what I'd be doing if it wasn't for these guys that helped me out. And Kyle, I mean, he pushed me. He's like, hey go home, take that job. If you can't find anything else, just go do it, build your time, uh, and get it done. And then we'll see it. We'll see in the, in the terminals. So.
0: Yeah. I think each step of the way opens up a door for networking, marketing yourself. Uh, that is, I think a huge benefit to you. Unfortunately, you don't see the benefit right away. You don't see it while you're meeting that person or or trying a new job or, or going to Fly for a different flight school for a period of time, uh, just because you can. Uh, but later on down the road, as you discover, with the more time you invest in this industry, the industry is very small. It's a very small theater. You never burn a bridge. We've been that yeah. is like a show motto for us, right, Rob? Uh, you never uh, burn absolutely. a bridge in this industry. You never yeah. know when the person next to you may not even be a pilot. They might be a ramper yeah. who's later going to be your boss. Right. And yep. Jennifer can attest to this too. Actually, I know one of the other recruiters there at the American Airlines cadet program. Uh, she used to work in the office over at Sandpiper, and I used to see her on a daily basis. And Marie and I go way back. She's a wonderful person. Tell her I said hello. Um, and uh-huh. we look forward to having her on the show maybe in the future on another program where we highlight the cadet program. Um, Jennifer, what do you think is one of the easiest way someone who is applying for the program and maybe even in the program can maintain a productive pace moving forward? What is the best way they could just keep going at this?
5: Okay. So, um, I think the best way is we always tell everybody who's interested in this and inquiring about the Cadet Academy that, this is a full-time job, okay? So you need to dedicate, you know, all of your time and effort to this. This isn't a job or this isn't a program. To have a job because I know as um, our cadets can attest, you have you know flights in the morning and flights at night, right? We have certain night requirement flights and all that. So you, it's not able that you can have a part-time job while you're going through this. So you really need to dedicate, you know, all your time and effort to this and it is a lot of hard work. Um, you do have to put in the hard work up front, but it will you know, be worth it in the end. Um, so just make sure that you're dedicated. And also, I know Will has said this earlier, it's a lot of studying, right? So um, going and especially through the CFI, um, it does take a lot of studying as well. So you do need to dedicate both time to flying frequently and also studying a lot. So if you're not in the air flying, you should be on the ground studying. And you shouldn't really be sitting around much thinking, oh, I'm just waiting for my next flight in a day or whatever. You should definitely always be working towards your end goal. And really, I know you um, mentioned that you've talked about this before on the podcast. Timing is everything. So the more you work, the quicker you'll get done and the quicker you can get to the airlines. And that's the name of the game. Got to get there as soon as possible. And just to speak to your point a little bit more, when you were asking them about um, the best advice you got, the best advice I ever got going through this was from my dad because I didn't have a mentor like Kyle over there. Um, but my dad told me, you know, the aviation industry is small. Everybody knows everybody. And he told me that from the very beginning. So I had it in the back of my mind, but I did not know the scale that he's talking about. Um, literally everybody in the office knows somebody that knows somebody that's applying, you know, so they find out and tell on if we wanted to, if you're a pilot at that point. So, um, definitely, as I said, make sure you don't burn bridges and treat everybody kindly, no matter whether or not, um, always be the best person you can be. And that's really all you can keep in mind that everybody knows everybody.
0: (laughs) Very true. And I like to call that six degrees of aviation. Uh, (laughs) it really is (laughs) a very true statement and thank you for sharing it.
3: For, uh, anybody discouraged, uh right now through the pandemic and uh talking to other fellow aviators about uh furloughs and uh slow back uh, slow of hiring uh, and and all that um things are going to get better and just like I've told uh, Travis and Will like we've talked uh, earlier in the podcast you just you got to keep flying um got to keep flying got to keep building your time even though you might not know it, but once one door opens, uh, uh, you, more doors opening. So, um, my best advice: keep flying. We'll all get through this, and uh, continuing hiring here in about a year, and um, we'll be looking back in a year and having the same discussion. Uh, you remember that bleep moment in 2020 where? We had uh, furloughs for six months or whatever, and uh, we got help, and where everybody's back where they uh, should be again. So um, it's just it's a cycle of aviation, just like everything else. You just got to keep your head high, keep flying, and, uh, and don't look back. And unfortunately, in this business, um, you don't know if you made the right decisions until after you retire. And about any, any aviator out there uh, will attest to that. Um, And uh, every, and that's the beauty about it. Everybody's story is a little different. Everybody's story is different on how they got to certain places and uh, who they flew with, what they flew, where they flew to, uh, the stories, um, uh, just, uh, it's a great career field. So just keep on flying.
0: Yeah, excellent. And, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, when we started recording on uh, the morning of the 21st, we were talking about how the CARES Act was finally approved through the uh, the House and the Senate, and we're just waiting for final acceptance. Once that happens, the uh, printed information I found right there on the Aviation Business Information Board, there's a link. And I, I actually was looking through a little bit of the the language, and it says in there that 72 hours to recall after acceptance of the CARES Act. The pay will be retroactive to December 1st for the airlines. They have five days to formally accept the assistance once it's finalized and all the signatures have been uh, placed on the bill, um, there's a lot more to this, uh, and it's it's a wonderful day for aviation today. Uh, it's it's going to help us out. It is not a fix for. The finality of the future, it is a Band-Aid for a temporary relief. It helps bring all our brothers and sisters back to the flight line, not just pilots, but mechanics, flight attendants, station agents alike. We have 30,000 employees currently in the aviation industry in the United States that have been furloughed due to the expiration of the Initial CARES Act. So this is great news. So let this be a day to remember that... This is the turning point for our industry. And, you know, having these programs in place now is, I think, more important than ever before because once those floodgates open and hiring starts up again, the retirements have been happening regardless. They didn't, those did not get put on pause. So the retirements are still happening. And yes, we do not need pilots as much as we did a year ago, but. When the rubber band effect of travel comes into place, because you have to look at, as Kyle said, the big picture, the global assessment of what's going on is we have hospitality industries, vacation and travel around the world that have been you know, burning cash, just trying to keep the power on. And they're going to be offering vacation packages, Americans and and people around the world alike are just ready to get the hell out of their house and go on a vacation, and they're going to have packages that are going to be super cheap. Flying is already a little bit less expensive than it used to be, and I think that people are going to get out there and they're going to travel. It's going to increase the demand. We've already started to see the cargo operations for passenger airlines uh, vamping up, that's going to continue as the need for vaccines to be transported globally is going to increase. Man, we're excited to hear this. And, you know, it's programs like this that are going to set apart those that struggle to do it on their own and those that have the help. So I want to say thank you. To all of you for joining us today. Thank you, Travis and Will, for taking the time out of your flight schedule. You could be with students right now. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and Will, hey, you you'll never forget your solo. Hmm. You never forget your CFI check, right? And you never forget the first time you are a flight instructor <laughs> with a student <laughs> behind the controls. So, congratulations on that. And I just want to say. Absolutely, and I want to say a very special thank you for Jennifer for taking the time out of her schedule to give us this information about our sister company over there at American Airlines and their cadet program. For those listeners that might say, "Hey, I'm I'm going to apply today," how can they do that?
5: Thank you so much for having me. I just want to start with that, and um, for anybody that is interested in applying. Um, the Cadet Academy, um, application is set to open in the beginning of 2021. So, um, go ahead and check back there starting in the beginning of 2021. So very soon, and you'll be able to check at, uh, for the application on www.aacadetacademy.com. So you can go ahead and check out the website now, learn all you need to learn about the program. All the information is out there. And then, um. Once
0: January rolls around, just keep checking back and the application will be available then. Wonderful. Well, folks, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Rob, any uh, uh, (laughs) last-minute comments before we end the show? Well, I just want to say thank you and congratulations,
2: uh, Travis, William, and even Jennifer, you too. Um, uh, Congratulations on getting to where you're at now. Um, it's a. It, I know you put in a lot of hard work, and a lot of time is invested, and obviously a lot of money, and um, uh, you are definitely, definitely well on your way to uh, getting to a, a, a great aviation job. Um, and I am really impressed by the uh, by the American Airlines Cadet Academy, um, and uh, Jennifer, everything that you and and everybody are doing over there. Is amazing, um, and it's well needed. And I think you're you're helping, what, eighteen thousand aviators? I forget how many you said, um, find their dream job at Legacy Airlines. And um, it's really amazing what you guys do. And keep up the good work. And hopefully one day you're going to get your medical back, and uh, we'll be seeing you in the in in the airplane too. So. <laughs> Thank you so
5: much. I appreciate those kind words so much. And I'm yep. just so happy to. Yep. And I feel so blessed to be working now. You know, while I can't fly, I want to help other people be able to um, experience it because honestly, being a pilot is so amazing. And it's not just a job, it's so much fun. So awesome. if you can find a job that you love, you're not working a day in your life, right? And exactly. I think that um, this Cadet Academy helps with that for sure. Nice. So thank you so much for everybody, everybody here for having us on. And I'm really happy I was able to share about
3: the Cadet Academy with you all. Cool. Oh, thanks for having us. And uh, like we've talked about during the podcast, uh, if you're interested, this is a great way uh, to get your foot in the door in a legacy carrier uh, cadet program. And uh, we hope to see all you guys out on the flight line someday.
0: Absolutely. And thank you all for joining us and we want to thank you the listener we hope that you're enjoying the squawk ident podcast if you find value in our podcast and would like to help us continue to grow we encourage you to visit our website at aviatortony.com. that's alpha victor the number eight romeo tango oscar november yankee.com From the homepage, you can find methods to contribute to our show by becoming a producer with either a one-time or recurring contributions. Every little bit helps us with production and marketing expenses. You can also leave us audio feedback and show topics that you would like us to cover on a future show. You can view the many photos that we have shared from the flight line and under the guestbook tab where you can view images from our featured guests. Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube users can find us with a quick search of Squawk Ident Podcast. We encourage you to support the YouTube channel with a like, subscribe, and a share. And don't forget to press the little bell to be notified for future videos. In closing, I would like to say thank you for taking the time to listen to these grateful aviators. Keep the dirty side down out there, be safe, and take care of each other. Bye, everyone see ya. Bye, thank you. Thank you all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.